0: boom, Daniele Bolele, my friend. Here we go, dude. Uh, I love. I am loving, rather. I should say, your new podcast, History on Fire, and it's just uh, wonderful to hear your sultry Italian accent <laughs> uh, uh,
1: waxing poetically on the past. <laughs> that's because uh, I just never under- learned to speak English right. So but that's... you
0: do speak. It's very confusing to me because you do <laughs> speak perfect English. You understand it. You're very articulate. Your choice of words is excellent. Right, but it comes out in this way. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Like, how come I can do that, but you can't do that? Can you try to talk like me? You
1: know, if you can believe it, I think I do. (laughs) Half of the time, I'm like, what do you think? What what accent? I'm talking in perfect English. What are you talking about? I have a horrible ear for X. I I just don't hear it. You don't hear it. You know, when I hear my recording, then I go back. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I really speak like that? Oh, fuck, (laughs) no way. But, you know, when I'm talking right now, I hear my own voice. I'm like, No perfect there's no accent
0: that is one of the great things about doing a podcast is that it forces you to listen to yourself oh, yeah. yeah and you can learn a lot about how mm-hmm. you sound yep you know you really can you learn a lot about little things you do like like the word like that's that's mm-hmm. one thing people say like fucking way too often a lot yep. that's a real problem that yep. word like Like, I've tried to uh, shorten it or to eliminate it, but it fucking creeps its way in. Like, you know, man, like, it's like this guy, like it, some people, and the the problem is if I fixate on it, if I fixate on someone saying it, like, then it breaks me. I, I had can't. the same
1: thing. I was talking with some guy who was really smart, really brilliant. I kept saying, you know, every four words. Ah. right? And after a while, I could not follow the conversation. He was making great points, too. So I was missing out because every <laughs> other sec was like, da, 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 you, know, da, da, da. you know, it's like, fuck, it's not yeah, going away. It's a tech. Yep. Like,
0: it's, a, it's a, a, a speech pattern. It's basically a version of "uh" uh-huh. or "uh." Yeah. yeah. That, I've always said that that's what people do with the word fuck sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, a use of the word fuck. This fucking guy with this fucking thing with the fucking...
1: Yeah, it's a know, filler, yeah. right?
0: It's a filler, yeah. That's why I'm super impressed with people like Sam Harris that talk with no filler. They just... <laughs> just that on from... I don't... Do, my brain doesn't work like that. No. I'm always scrambling for certain words or trying to... I wonder if I was m- my vocabulary was better. Maybe I would be less likely to use fillers, but...
1: I don't know. I think it's like during conversations, sometimes you need that micro mental mm. break to just see, okay, where do I want to go with next? You know, but you don't want to leave an awkward pose. So you're like throwing something out there, just go like, okay, this is where I want to go next.
0: Yeah, know. and you also don't want someone to like, Jump in thinking you want them to talk and like you're in the middle of yeah. trying to form the sentence. And if they do jump in, then you'll totally lose it. Oh, so you want to, um, um, just to let them know, yeah, um, I'm still, still here. I'm still working on it thing
1: yeah. is, uh, instead of just going, I've had, yeah, exactly. And that everybody, <laughs> Italy's painful that way because, you know, normally you give, uh, two seconds, pause to, between somebody starting and somebody beginning the next conversation. Italy, there's no pause. Everybody's just there waiting for you to not stop, but slow down so that they can <laughs> jump in. <laughs> and, uh, and then you see people take a deep breath, kind of like, <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> it's like, Jesus, man. It's like, it's, it's a full contact sport, talking to somebody. It's just, it's well, a the language. Uh,
0: your language is so, uh, it's so poetic. It's a flowing,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: beautiful language. Yeah,
1: In fact, it's great for, you know, English language is awesome if you want to rule an empire, right? It's like you tell people, do this, get stuff done. You know, it's very to the point. It's Mm -hmm. quick. It's to the point. It's great. Italian is great for flowery, oh, sweetheart, look at the beautiful moon out there kind of thing where you just waste, you've said 10,000 words to really say something that could have been said in five, but, you know, it's the vibe that you create that.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of work, but it's flowing. Yep. No, it's geez. like wine and poetry. Mm-hmm. It's like It's got this sort of. Whereas American is just like, hey, right? What's it's, up, fuckface? It's <Falcon> wake. Ca- yeah.
1: <laughs> when I was starting to write in English, it was so damn hard for me because I was so used to this long, flowy sentence that's like da 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 da. There was this rhythm, mm. right? Very musical. And, you know, any sentence that I would write like that in English, I lose half of the readers within three seconds because they're oh, like, yeah. too many words, get to the point, you know, what are you trying to say? And so it's like, and I thought, oh, English sucks. There's no poetry to it. <laughs> There's, in reality, there is, you know, there are ways to express yourself beautifully, but it's different. You need to definitely tone down the length of the sentences, cut it a little shorter. And then there are ways to do it still in a beautiful way but it's completely different.
0: What about the attention spans of people in Italy versus the people in America? Because the, the Italian attention span seems to be much longer.
1: There is some of that. I don't know if it's still true.
0: Yeah. Uh, I
1: don't know if it's a generational thing or not because I have been I got there back on vacation, so I don't have the pulse of the situation mm. anymore the way it used to. Um, it may be a generational thing. It was that way, certainly when I was growing up. There was clearly more attention span. But then again, that was before... Uh, all the 3,000 things that we use to distract ourselves all the right. time, where it's like somebody's talking to you, but I'm like, ah, oh, let me send this email. Well, yeah, yeah, that's great, good point, but you're doing something else at the same time.
0: Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but like a classical Italian meal, like in a in a restaurant, like you would sit there for hours. Oh, yeah, 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 It's not like America where no. you're in and out in 40 minutes.
1: No, definitely. And yeah. Yeah, there's much more of this slow pace. And uh, tripping me out the other day, um, Aubrey Marcos gave me a call. And within about a minute, I was thinking, and I I love Aubrey, but the vibe for me was like, okay, great. You know, hi, hi, what's up? Now, Mm -hmm. what do you want? Right. And then I realized that he wasn't calling because he wanted anything. He just wanted to say what's up and chat. And I was like, I forgot what it's like to be that way. It's (laughs) nice. I like it. You know, that's a good feeling where you just, we are just talking because we like to talk to each other. It's not like, hey, I need something or, you know. uh, Yeah. uh, I'm so used to that conversation now that everything is for a reason. It's like uh, we're trying to get stuff done. And uh, it was so refreshing. I was feeling... Is beautiful. I love it. I miss it. It's, yeah, uh, that's how it should be. It's nice
0: if you can catch someone that's on the same vibe. Mm-hmm. But when you're like, "Hey, man, everything good? What's going on?" Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, just getting <laughs> some shit done. What's going on? What's up? What's up? Like, right. Nothing. Just called to say hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay, well, hi. Yeah. Bye. Exactly. See you later. Click. Yeah, yeah. Gotta
1: go. I'm running an empire. Running the empire of Mike. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we do. We do have. Uh, I don't know how we got that way, but we do have intense, busy lives. So, so sometimes. Mm. That organic, relax, let's hang out, let's let things transpire and play. Half of the time, it's like, OK, it's noon at one, I need to be out of here. This is my fun time. So it's twelve fifteen. Motherfucker, I'm not having fun yet. Make yeah. it fun right now because I need It's like you can't do that. You know, you need to.
0: I was listening to this TED talk on the nature of happiness. And I, f- I forget the, the gentleman who was doing the speaking, mm-hmm. but he was... Um, he uh was he had developed an app and in the app uh, it would like hit you with reminders and ask you questions like, What are you doing right now? Are you enjoying what you're doing right now? Is this what you want to do? and like things along those lines. And then they would gather data. And well, so they, they added all their data from all the people that use the app. And one of the things they found was one of the least conducive things to happiness, one of the, one of the indicators that people mm-hmm. are not happy is when your mind is wandering.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you're just sitting around thinking of nothing, just sitting, doing nothing. And in those moments, for whatever reason, people just don't feel good. Right. They Their mind will wander to the negative things. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the moment and you're occupied in something, whether you're creating something or whether you're writing something, wh- whatever you're doing, like those are the moments where people feel fulfilled and happy.
1: No, definitely. And there's something to be said for meditation in that regard yeah. of learning to be in the moment when... Because, you know, a lot of the times we can be in the moment when we're doing something... Mm-hmm. But to be in the moment when you're not doing something, just like, let me take a deep breath. Let's be here. Let's look around. That's, not as easy to do as one would think yeah that's why like a class whether it's a martial arts Mm -hmm. class or
0: a yoga class is really good for people Mm -hmm. because someone's telling you what to do like okay now we're going to work on arm bars from the mount you know like get to the mount okay shift your hips to the left grab the arm pin it down in in going through those steps you're forced to concentrate on that thing and because it's so intense you're forced to be in that moment Mm -hmm. and that for a lot of people is a real not just the physical relief of exercise which is fantastic for the mind but the relief of focus and concentration alleviates a lot of the bullshit that is like that builds up when the mind is wandering you know
1: time i noticed when i do get to i I finally had a chance to start rolling again the last month or two it felt so fucking good i was just like oh my god i forgot not only physically as you say how good it feels but in that moment, you know, if your mind wanders too much, the guy's choking you. The guy's yeah. arm barring you. You can't wander. You have to be totally present in what you're doing. In, and it, It's just such a mental break that I thought I had all these issues when I walk into class and I walk out. I'm like, "Huh? those problems, you call those problems, that's a joke. Come on, no yeah. big deal. Because suddenly you have lightened up. You got rid of this heavy load that you're carrying and there's nothing like it you know something that puts you in the moment but also your body puts Mm. your body your mind everything
0: the gift of perspective Yep. yeah and some people get it from running you know Mm -hmm. i know i know some people they just love or like running hills especially you know because it's just so difficult Yep. and then when when you reach the top of that hill you have a milestone you know like you, you hit that milestone you get to that hill And just whatever it is, that effort of doing that, which is very intense, very difficult, just. And when it's over, just everything else seems like relaxed. Big time. Even weights. Yeah. Weights feel awesome. Sure. Anything. Anything. Just do something that you have to concentrate on. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're lifting something heavy, like if you're trying to bench press or squat or something like that, like while you're doing that, that is what you're concentrating on. Yep. Isn't that amazing, though, that that's what the mind needs sometimes? Just one primary singular thing to focus on and to focus on it intensely. And it's almost
1: cleansing in a way. Forces the pipes free. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're having sex for too long and then you do it and suddenly everything in your brain switches. It's like, ah. All this shit that I thought I had on me, all this tension, all this stuff that I thought were real problems—you mm-hmm. just haven't had sex for too many days. Either, right? Oh, haven't and had sex yeah, for if, a long
0: time. Yeah, if you. Will. I thought you were saying you've had sex for too long. I was like, oh, man, no, no. what there kind of are no fucking such is a thing thing. doing? <laughs> <laughs> there is no such a thing. He's doing some sessions, yeah. some session work marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could fuck people up, man. I mean, I, I, I to this day think that that is uh, especially for men the primary reason why a lot of men exhibit like really pathetic behavior Mm -hmm. because they are trying so hard to get women to like them Mm -hmm. and nothing is working and so they have fallen into this trap of becoming this like she-male thing this this like super feminist sort of always uh, identifying with women's issues and trying to get women on your side and it doesn't fucking work no like um, Dave Rubin, a guy was on the podcast the other day, he, uh, by the way, great guy and great podcast, had a great time with him, but he tweeted something the other day, and it was a billboard that some poor fool had put up, and it said, dear women, on behalf of all men, I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus.
1: Right. And that the P S to that would be I'm really trying to get laid. Really trying. Please. So can you hard. help me with that? Just
0: someone touch my deck. Yeah.
1: Please. That would have been more honest. You know, just put that on the billboard, it's like <laughs> with the number at the end. It's like, Oh poor guy, I get it. You know? It's,
0: yeah, I mean it's like not that there's anything wrong with siding with women if you agree that mm-hmm. they've been fucked over or looking out for them out for them or you know, and sure. uh, sympathizing or empathizing—that's not the point. It's just the the, the behavior. It's, it's it's also an anti-masculine behavior, mm-hmm. an anti-male behavior. And maybe it's because they identify the, they they identify those those characteristics with bullies or with people yep. that were mean to them or people that you know caused them pain or frustration. But it's it's also like
1: this—it's traitorous. You
0: know what I mean? It's right. like
1: you're a gender traitor, like in some ways. And to me, there's that bullshit dichotomy there where you either have the tough, strong, macho asshole who's also kind of doesn't care about anybody's feelings mm. and is, but you're strong. That's the good side. Or you have the sweet, mellow, sensitive, but if you say boo, they go hide in a corner and, and it's like both models suck. Neither one is a desirable way to be. You know? yeah. And the problem is that in trying to get rid of the asshole male side, people have also gotten rid of the good stuff about being a man, about the strength, the determination, the stereotypical masculine quality. And it's like, that's not what we're trying to get rid of. That's the good stuff. You want to keep that. You want to get rid of, you know, the 1700s gender role. I'm Mm -hmm. the man. I'll slap you around. Go back in the kitchen kind of thing. Yeah, I can see how that would be less than ideal. But... Getting rid of that doesn't mean getting rid of the good stuff at all. Exactly
0: the, that term. Have you heard the term to- toxic masculinity? No, that's an adorable term I that like out. social justice warriors would throw around. Toxic masculinity. And the the real problem with men adopting this idea. Is that they ignore the negative things that women have done because it's not about women it's not about men it's about nice people
2: yep that's really
0: what it is I mean there's feminine qualities that are beautiful and there's male masculine qualities that are beautiful and there's 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 people on both sides that are out of their fucking mind and bad shit crazy. And to yeah. side with women on every occasion just because you're a man, you're saying, I'm sorry for all men before me and uh, my apologies. Yeah, like that's, that's weak shit. You know yeah. what you're doing. You need to run hills. okay? <laughs> you need to go to class. You need to take get, a yoga
1: class. Do something. But and get laid. Get yes. laid. Get someone to touch you. And it's funny because when you don't come from a place of need, mm-hmm. suddenly women like you ten times as much as before. There was yeah. a period where I did not, I, di- I wasn't running anymore on the typical script that I've had for most of my life, where it's like, hot woman, I want your attention. Look at right. me. I'm great. I'm, Because mm. I want something from you. Yeah. There was a period where things <laughs> happened in a way where I didn't care. I was mean, right. just like, if we hang out, I hang out because I'm happy to. But I don't want, yeah, you're a beautiful woman. That's great. But I don't want anything from you. And of yeah. course, the second that my brain switched away, suddenly women like 10 mm-hmm. times more than before. And he was like, look at how that works. That's amazing, tip, isn't it? It's, But there's something about being comfortable in your own skin and yeah. just not constantly acting because you're trying to impress somebody or you want somebody to, whether it's sex, whether it's attention, whether whatever that may be, because you want something from them. It's like, this is who I am. You dig it, you dig it. You don't, you don't. I'm still comfortable with who I am that makes such a difference yeah. in the way people will relate to you.
0: I think also that regardless of the words that you choose and the way that you say them and the, the sentences that you structure, I think people can feel intent mm-hmm. and they can just something about it. There's an intangible quality to a needy person that even if they do say the right things and do it in the right order, you know, some women or some men are like, mm, i fucking, you yeah. know, not this not this dude." Yeah,
1: yeah. This yeah. ain't mm-mm that's why you can read all the books in the world about the stuff you should say mm-hmm. but that's barely half of the game you know there's uh, it's who you are It's not what you say what the image you put even cuz it's painful you have to constantly keep up this image that's not really oh. you and you have to say all the right thing it's like fuck life is too short for that
0: have you ever paid attention at all to pickup artists yeah, and and, and, and yeah. pickup artist game yeah. you know, they they're like they'll they'll judge it's hilarious I've, I've seen some videos online where they're actually critiquing people's mm-hmm. approaches and strategies for getting women to talk to them there's like videos on it where a guy will have a hidden camera and they'll talk to a girl and like then the guys in the comments will be like interesting like opening great game i like how he's doing this like yeah. they have like like moves like it's talking about like jujitsu or something or the chess way, the way you lean to the right yeah talking to her That cool that's like Too much, but it's not real. That's what's what's crazy about it I mean, I guess it will work on like some really fucking dumb girls Mm -hmm. That's how like girls will find out like deep into a relationship like months later that the guy's like heavily in debt and wanted by the FBI And you know beats his mom like you don't find find that shit out (laughs) until because the guy tricked you with all this this strategy And if you can't read that then you're, you're not gonna know that something's going on But
1: that to me is if you have a really bad radar and you mm, can't get yeah. vibes out of people, then you're dependent on what they say. Some people have bad radar. But what they say is a smokescreen. You know what yeah. they say maybe real, maybe not. It's people put on a show all the time. It to me it's like really you didn't feel sitting next to the guy for thirty five seconds that the guy is a freak or that woman is evil or that yeah. it's like man, you feel it. It's not what they
0: say. It's But it's but, hard. It's hard to have sovereignty. It's hard to have personal sovereignty. It's hard to be at a place where you don't need anybody, mm-hmm. or you're not needy, or when you're around a beautiful girl where well, you don't give a fuck. Right. That's hard, man. It's hard. Most men, I would say like 99% of men, when they're around a really beautiful girl, they just uh, they just panic. They start Even no. if there's no chance that girl's going to fuck sure. you,
1: your, your behavior alters. It gets weird. My solution to that, it's illegal in 49 and a half states, but I think that going to 49 and a half, because <laughs> yeah, it's legal in rural counties in Nevada, but yeah. going to insanely hot hookers, mm. calm people down. For a man's standpoint, it would be like, okay, if I want to get laid with an insanely hot woman, I can. Yeah, done the money, go, you're nice to them, they're nice to you, done. So if you do that, then in the back of your brain, it's not like every time you see a hot woman, it's like, I want this. It's like, no, I can get this any other time in another way if yeah. you don't have game and you can't get laid in other ways. At least you go to the nice, friendly hooker, you get laid with hot women, then hot women don't immediately trigger, I need something from you. It's like, oh, you're another hot woman. I was having sex with a hot woman yesterday. So what? You know, it doesn't have that same pressure to it. So that might... I have a vague feeling that I'm not going to get a TV program and a Dr. feel recommended. Just go to hookers it will make your life better, but that's my take.
0: Well, I'll tell you right now, that is the wrong approach. <laughs> it ain't about the woman being hot. It's about love, sir. <laughs> sir.
1: God, my right ball just dropped by my yeah,
0: ankle. Your, your, your balls, will they'll rot if you hear that long enough. They gangrene, painful. they fall right off. Yeah, I think that the idea of going to a hooker in America is a disgusting idea. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how we look at it and as our cul- our culture. Right. Right, you know, our culture looks at prostitution as something f- foul. And you and I both have daughters. We don't want our daughters to become prostitutes. Sure. But if, you know,
1: if somebody else's daughter wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> what else is wrong well, to think? It's like, <clears throat> it's how you are... Some like there are cases where somebody become a hooker because their life sucks, mm-hmm. they are on meth, yeah. they're this and that. That's clearly not. But I've I know women who have uh, who did become sex workers who are speak multiple languages, graduated from UCLA, they have jobs, they have money, they have stuff, and their ways uh, they have the power in the exchange because the way they are gonna play it is that they consider it kind of like dating, except that I pick my clients. Mm-hmm. So. He's like I'm <clears throat> sleeping around a lot, but I get paid bank for doing that. Right, And that's a whole different kind. You know, not all prostitution is the same. That's a whole different game. That's somebody who comes from a position where they are empowered rather than the typical, you know, street hooker kind of thing. That's a whole different game.
0: Yeah, I've met um, uh, girls that have done that, that have actually like had like wealthy men mm-hmm. that they've had sex with. And then they only had like a few of them and they, you know, they fucked them like a couple times a month. And that was their, that was how they made all their money. Right. And they, but they didn't like take other clients on. And I was like, that is just weird. That is a weird, but, but why is it weird? Because when you look at like a really hot woman, like the Donald Sterling situation, Mm -hmm. that old troll looking raisin man. And he had that girl that, uh, the one that ratted him out and made those recordings. She, She was hot. Yeah. She was young and mm-hmm. hot with a nice body. like what do, you, what do we think is going on there? Why do we think he bought her a multi-million dollar condo and a Bentley and all that? Why do is it okay to just buy people so you can exchange gold coins? Can you exchange gold coins just not paper? Yeah. Like how's that work?? It's can you buy someone a house? you just can't give them cash? Like, it's weird. Like, why is the exchange, like, when the exchange is actual money, not something that you can convert to money, mm-hmm. but the actual money itself, it becomes an issue. Like, pr- prostitution exists across the board of course, in many, many relationships. I have friends that are married to prostitutes. Right. They really are. They just happen to be monogamous yeah. prostitutes. They're monogamous prostitutes. The, yeah. But these guys are wealthy guys, mm-hmm. and there's, these women that they're dating really don't even particularly like them. Right. And they have to buy them things all the time. Of and they have to constantly <laughs>
1: keep the fires of this uh, this style of relationship lit. That I find weird. Is like, isn't it easier to just pay for a cold girl, go there each time? It then... is, but
0: then, you know, the problem is people want companionship. They want someone to be there for them. Yeah, and... but
1: you're not going to get it by paying somebody for that. That's, no. you know.
0: Sometimes it works. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's you know, it's like saying it can never work. I, I just think that a lot of people would be way better off, a lot of people, if sex wasn't such a big deal. Yep. And I think that is a big part of what's going on, like part of what's going on with with campuses, um, where they're they have this massive amount of attention that's being paid to sexual assault. Is very good in a lot of ways. Because sure. sexual assault, actual real sexual assault is horrific. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's disgusting. Yep. It's fucked up. And you know, the the idea that my son could do it or that I could have done it when I was young is, is terrifying to yep. me and disgusting to me. But equally equally true, the idea of someone being accused of sexual assault where it really was just regret. Yep. Yep. You know, like there's a lot of people that are trying to say that if two people get drunk and they have sex, and then that somehow or another that's rape mm-hmm. and what it's just people having sex. there's no violence yeah. there's no forcing there's no that's, that's crazy talk and a lot of that comes from the idea, these puritanical ideas that sex is somehow a bad thing mm-hmm. because if two people got together and they got drunk and just cuddled. No one gives a shit. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But I mean, suddenly, but as soon as penetration, yeah. now that's uh, It's like, like where yeah. does it end? Like, okay what, okay, what if you just cuddle and you both have shorts on and a t shirt and the guy gets a boner? Like, yeah. what happens there? You know, is that bad? Like, right. what if, you know, what if you're cuddling and the guy and the girl don't have shirts on, but they have their pants on? Like, what the fuck are yeah. we doing? I don't know. If, pe- if they're drunk and they hug, everyone's okay. But yep. if they're drunk and they fuck, it's a real problem right well if if someone says no and the other person forces them or does then it's sure, a problem that's right of course but if it's just two people that drink and then do something and the, the other person wakes up in the morning and goes I can't believe I fucked that guy shit yeah and then their friend says oh my god were you drunk well you could not consent that is rape that's it's like, not rape he was drunk too right like uh, there was uh this uh, I forget what the protest was, but these guys had these signs that said, regret is not rape. Mm-hmm. And there was just like fucking terrible backlashes, but that is what it is. It's yep. regret. Whatever happened to fucking up? Whatever ever happened to making mistakes? And also, why is it that one gender. Gets a g- get out of jail free card, mm-hmm. like you got raped. Whereas every guy that I have ever met has gotten drunk and had sex with someone that they regretted, yeah, right. and then after it's over, they're like, "Oh Jesus Christ, what did I do? Oh my God!" And then you know the girl's calling you, or you know you see her again, oh, you're God. like, "What did I do?" Right? right.
1: Yeah. Nobody but, think of it that yeah,
0: the no, guy got raped. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And the guy it's, himself is not gonna think no. that was a rape, right? But of a course. woman would think that if right. a woman got
0: drunk with a guy, but then of course it, you, you you get into this Bill Cosby. Territory where a guy is purposely getting someone drunk or purposely getting someone fucked up. Well, of course, that's that's where it gets weird. Right. That's that's where it all turns into an actual crime or an actual, you know, a a negative interaction or a, a, a. verifiable, bona fide, you know, yeah. assault. Yeah,
1: that's different, even because yeah. the intent is different. It's not like exactly. you're both drunk one thing get right. to another. Okay, whatever, that's one yeah. story. That, that one is I'm trying to get you to a vulnerable position because I want to take something from you that you don't want to give.
0: Yeah, and I'm coercing you and yeah. being sneaky about it.
1: And... Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, that's that... uh,
0: so that's a dark thing that it happened it happens to a lot of women man a lot i've talked to several women who have been roofied that's you know? so
1: fucked up when i was in high school i had once there was this um, pretty hot girl who was um, just passed out drunk and there was two guys at a party who were clearly just moving in in that direction oh. and they were clear and obvious about what was going on that was like there was no ambiguity there. That's like that is you're trying to rape somebody. That's not. Yeah. and So I remember just, I had my good Samaritan day of my life where I just kind of picked her up, walked her outside, helped her throw up, do all the whole because no. I was like, no, is like this is a bad scenario right here. This is not a pleasant one. And it's not, again, the one where everybody's drunk and it's different, there's no intent. This is somebody who say, oh, vulnerability, I'm going after that.
0: I wonder if anyone's ever done a study on places that have legalized prostitution, whether there are more or less sexual assaults.
1: From what I remember, and I do believe I've seen studies about it, I think it was less. Because um, Jamie?
0: Head to Google. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would assume that when it's not something that's almost impossible to attain. Because you think about it, like the average guy who makes a good living, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe occasionally you could afford to spend $500 on a prostitute or whatever the mm-hmm. hell it costs. But the idea of getting that prostitute to be in a sexual relationship with you voluntarily is almost out of the question. Right. But you, if you're a goofy-looking dude, you can pay that girl, and she'll fuck you. And the mm-hmm. weight of that exchange has sort of been lifted. I mean, yep. there's a potential that you could get addicted to going to prostitutes, but you can get addicted to going to a pool hall. Of course, you know, do you anything. Can, you can get addicted to swimming. Yep. You know, I know people that they every morning they get up and they fucking swim. They have to swim. I didn't right. swim today. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you have the money. Like there was, Why a, not? there was a Don Winslow novel. I don't know if you ever read that guy. He's a master Don writer. Don Winslow. Yeah, he no. wrote a lot of thrillers. Really good writer. Never heard
0: of him actually. And there's a line. F- uh, I forgot.
1: He's the guy who they did the movie Savages. Um, What is it? Savages. The Oliver Oliver Stone movie, I believe. Oh,
0: yeah. That was based on a
1: Don Winslow novel.
0: Was that a good movie?
1: I haven't seen it, to be honest. I read the book. The book was good. Um, Mm. The movie, I didn't hear anything that made me want to see it. So I was like, eh, I'll pass. But uh, but the guy is a good writer. And he has this one line at one point. I forgot which novel it is. But he has this line where one guy is like, you know, she's only with you because of your money. And the other mm-hmm. dude is like, Well, good thing I have money then. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it <he> was awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: what does that mean? She's only with you because of this. Well, whatever. Right. She's only with you because of your big dick and your broad <laughs> so shoulders. What? Shut up, stupid. I'm you glad <laughs> I have that. Good. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Right. She's only with you because you're more attractive and more intelligent and more successful than me. Oh, okay. Well, that just diminished me to the point where I can no longer enjoy the sexual, <laughs> the sexual favors of this young lady. Exactly. What does it mean? People, are so, you're only people that try to diminish you. You're only because of this. Well, mm-hmm. and
1: about this stuff that we're talking about the sex work, I find it hilarious when people look down on it, kind of like, "Oh my mm. God, that hooker, that this." I'm like, do you work? The job you have, is that a job that you would have if nobody pays you? Would you do that same stuff anyway? And 99% of people would say, no, because I want to get paid. And it's like, so explain to me exactly how you're different from a hooker. It's yeah. like, ex- embrace your inner hooker, man. You're doing it for the money. That's embrace where it's at. Embrace your um, inner hooker. Yes.
0: Researchers decriminalized prostitution in Rhode Island led to fewer rape and fewer gonorrhea cases. My point. But that's not even legal. That's just decriminalized. Yep. So that means you can't get arrested for it. Um, so I was finding stuff on both ends of it, actually. So, really? what's that? I was finding it on articles on both ends. What do you mean by was, that? It was going up and down. There's people saying both. Classic. Studies. The you statistics clearly
1: show that yeah. it increases. No, the statistics clearly show that it decreases. That kind of stuff. Yeah, there's yeah. studies for whichever side you really want to pick. Yeah. Really. Hmm. It's like the Bible. You, you can see, make it decriminalized
0: whatever. though is not legalized. Yeah. What you you want is a nice brothel, mm-hmm. nice and clean, like a, you know. Like a beautiful establishment, like a uh, Burke Williams spa. <laughs> the Burke Williams of yeah hookers. I like Burke it. Williams of hookers. <laughs> I you like know, it. If you totally. go to a Burke Williams spa, they 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 give you a glass of water with lemon in it. It's nice, and they have the chimes going and the incense. You walk in there, scented candles. Yeah. Ah, they give you a nice massage, but you know they're not supposed to have sex with you. See, that's the problem. But if you can go to one of those places and they had socks with you, you'd be like, "This is what a great exchange!" I
1: know, perfect. So, I'm nice to you. You got a bunch of money, or nice to me. <clears throat> Everybody wins.
0: It's puritanical. It yep. totally is because if you really break it down, why would it be illegal to do something that you can do for free? Mm-hmm. If you can do it for money, right? Why? I mean, if you could do it for free, for- why can't you do it for money? Because yep. everything else you can do, like massage.
1: Like, you could give people foot massages all day. Exactly. But if it's a sexual thing, suddenly yeah. it's illegal and it's terrible. Yeah, I find it hilarious. It's This is puritanical religious crap that we carry with us from, you know, another time. And it just still around in people's mentality. Because when you think about it, I think it's complete bullshit. It's
0: it warps our minds, too. Because it turns sex into some forbidden dirty mm-hmm. act.
1: Yep, yep, yep.
0: You know, I don't know. It's... um. The, the whole, uh, like, pattern of it is very difficult to break, though. I don't, I mean, I think they they broke it somewhat in the 60s, you know, yeah. Summer of Love. and But they were all on acid. <laughs> that you <know>? helps. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That definitely helps. That totally, I mean, that is what acid does. That's what mushrooms do. That's right. what DMT does. That paradigm shifting reset button mm-hmm. where you go, oh, well, why am I doing it this way? Why am I? New? Yeah, you know, that's where all those songs like "Love the One You're With," came, right? You know,
1: exactly. <laughs> all that came
0: from. It was a free love generation. Yeah. It was different, right? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Like that's all it took—just a, a little bit of drugs—and mm-hmm. people went from "Father Knows Best" to "Love the One You're With," and like inside of ten years,
1: 1960s are a trippy time, right? Fuck I mean, yeah. Even just music-wise, you listen to what people were listening to in 1961 and mm-hmm. you know, what they were listening to by 1968, and it feels like. Three hundred years have gone by. It's yeah. such a nice, you know, night and day kind of thing. They are like, how did that even happen in that little period of time? It's you know, you go from your mellow motown to Jimi Hendrix and it's yeah. like, how oh, did doesn't even sound remotely close? It's
0: everything, the clothes. Yep. They start wearing bandanas and yep. bell bottoms and f- freaky vests and mm-hmm. shirts with flowers on them. Like the whole thing just fucking completely flipped on its yep. head just some drugs he, these much time that's what people don't really truly comprehend and i didn't truly comprehend until i got older because when i was a kid and i was in school i okay i graduated from school in 1985 that's when mm-hmm. i graduated from high school and if you you stop and think about that 20 years before that was the height of all that freaky shit yep it was alive and popping in 1965 that's like, that's not that long no, ago, it's man. Not that long that's 1995 old. to us. Like, 1995 seems like
1: the other day, just a few right. years ago. Yeah, to
0: course. think about 1995 just being freaks and hippies and Woodstock mm-hmm. and chaos, and then the government just threw water on the whole thing. <laughs> Put that fire out. And yeah. everything calmed down in the 70s, and then the 80s, they gave everybody a Coke, right. and then Miami Vice, and Don Johnson didn't have any socks on. He's driving around <laughs> a little... <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari Testerosa, and it all sort of yeah. got to this different place. Like they took the drugs out of the equation, and there was this big void, and no one knew what to do, and it just sort of like had this chaotic bouncing against the wall thing where it was trying to find its equilibrium and find its mm-hmm. harmonious vibration to get back to where it would have been, but inexorably
1: altered because of this one decade. Big time. I mean, even the drugs. Just it's not like in the eighties people weren't doing drugs, but nastier drugs. You know, yeah. you go from psychedelics to hard stuff. Yeah. It's like crack. That's yeah, crack. That's, we're not talking the same drugs here. It's yeah, a very different kind of game.
0: Amazing. It's a. Ama- it's really amazing when you get older and you realize that ten years is nothing. Yep. It's such a like ten years ago was two thousand and five. That is exactly like today. What was the difference in two thousand and five and today? No iPhones. Like, Other than that, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. We were all online, mm-hmm. everybody had email, I mean, there was less social media sure. and things along those lines, but ultimately, there's very little difference between mm-hmm. today and 2005. If you had a 2005 car, that's a nice car. You could drive that around, it'd be just like a modern car, be right. no, or a 2015 car. No different, not much difference in the music, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you I get it. listen to some music from 2005, it's yep. pretty similar. Big time. Well yeah, you could take a song from two thousand five, you could totally release it today. Mm-hmm. Like a, a hit and it'd yep. be a hit today. But the the difference between a hit from nineteen fifty five and a hit from
1: nineteen sixty five, Jesus Christ. They, yep, yep. Yep. Jesus, what a difference. But well, which is why To this day, people about the 1960s either love it or hate it. The Mm. people either are like, the 60s, they ruined American culture, everything Mm. got terrible. Or they're like, oh, thank God for the 60s. That's where all the cool stuff started happening. It's very rare to find people who are neutral about it. The difference is the people that got the drugs and didn't get any drugs. (laughs) Exactly. exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The people that were getting crew cuts and fucking goddamn hippies. Yeah. Yeah. They never got it. They didn't understand. They missed the boat. Yeah, let's
1: nuke Vietnam. They didn't <laughs> let us win. That's what happened.
0: It's fascinating to think that the culture can shift and change so quickly. That must have been terrifying for the old guard. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that that were. Around. I mean, you also have to think the 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 ability to communicate about these things, about these complex issues, didn't exist back then. So all right. you could do is go down to your local bar and yep. complain, or your. I guess they didn't even have coffee shops back then, right? Really? No. no coffee
1: shops, serious?
0: Who the fuck had when when there's there was like diners. Huh. I mean I but did they yeah, that's they didn't the same have like thing. a Starbucks. Yeah, 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 no. You know? That shit didn't even exist.
1: Man, that's nuts.
0: When I was a kid, like you would go to Dunkin' Donuts and get coffee, but um that was it. There was no Starbucks.
1: And no place like the Mom and Pop store wasn't just open tables where people could sit down and chat was just go in, <laughs> get your coffee, got out.
0: No, I mean it was all local. Like I remember, like if you were a worldly person in Boston, you would get the New York Times. Hmm. Like that was to show everybody that you were worldly. You
1: read the New York Times. If you were
0: a dummy, you would get the Herald. And if you were, you know, local, but you know you're on the ball, you get the Boston Globe. Hmm. Guys to deliver all three of them. The New York Times was very rare. And whenever I would deliver the New York Times, the dude always had, like, a BMW or a Saab or something like that, you know? They always had, like, some, some cool car, and right. they lived in a, a, a cool house, and they just they wanted to be more into— They didn't want to live in New York, necessarily, or mm-hmm. if they did, they didn't have the funds to move there, but they wanted to be worldly.
1: They, and sounded like they had the money too. Yeah.
0: Well, wow. that's and that's how you got a hold of the real news. Mm-hmm. That's how you had your finger on the pulse, and you had to be active. Like I remember, you know, like um, there was this guy that I knew that would, you know, he would read all the papers. He'd read the Times, he'd read the Herald, and and I would I would ask him like, why you you know why do you read all these different papers? Why not just pick one and read them? He's like, to really get a sense of what's going on in the world, you really got to read all of them. Like the New York Times will cover some subjects. Globally, that the Boston Globe won't. The Boston mm-hmm. Herald doesn't give a fuck about what's happening anywhere but Boston. And there was like this thing where you'd had to kind of like search around to get a a a, a sound like a mm. a distant sound of the earth of like what's actually going on yeah. on the planet whereas today it's unavoidable today you actually kind of hide from information yeah. i know you said
1: like, no spoiler i don't want to know about that <laughs> don't fucking tell me about the walking dead yet yeah. I no i know it's when i was growing up me being in italy too which was even further removed from right. some of the news I love basketball and I remember when I was maybe eight, nine years old I wanted to find out you know, who won the NBA finals. There was the game on Sunday, what happened? And I literally would have to call the one magazine in Italy that dealt with basketball that would come out once a month and I would call them and they had talked to their friend in New York who had told them who won. Otherwise, I would have had to wait probably three weeks until that next issue come up who tells you who won the NBA final a month earlier. Wow. like, That's the world that I I grew up in. And so it's like, when you think about today, you can be on the top of the Himalaya, and if you find the right connection, you can watch the game live. It's like, that's a whole other game altogether.
0: Yeah, you were reading about basketball that happened weeks ago.
1: Yeah, and get all excited. It's like, (laughs) man, I can't believe I'm going to find out now about that game. It's like...
0: When were the first organized sports...
1: There was uh, 1800s already. Late 1800s in US, you start having a whole bunch. There's an awesome story about um, the development of football in the United States, which was by no means the first. <clears throat> Baseball was before and everything, but football was funny because there's this story that late 1800s, there's no more frontier. There are no more Indian wars because everybody's been conquered. So there was not anymore this tradition for kind of upper class males to go in the military, fight the Indians, that kind of stuff. So Many of the old guard felt that their kids were growing up to be wimps. It's like, what? You haven't even killed a few Indians? What's wrong with (laughs) you? You're not a real man. So they would send them to all the Ivy League school that were beginning to pop up. But they felt like, yeah, you read books. You don't kill anybody. I don't know about your masculinity, really. So somebody was like, okay, we can play this game where they beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be this mainly physical game where they just brutalize each other then at least, you know, it's not as good as bringing home a good scalp, but it's something, you know, it's like it saves their masculinity and stuff. And that's how a lot of, so if you see the um, all the big football programs of the late 1800s, even early 1900s, they were all Ivy League code. Stuff that oh. today you never, you know, Harvard, Yale, right. they had the top football programs. And it's like, oh. how the hell did that even, and a lot of it was because uh, it was a way to show, look, I read books, but I'm still a man, okay, I'm still tough.
0: <coughs> wow, that's that's interesting. So it was a substitute for war. Yep. which, which totally makes sense. Yep. I mean that's kind of exactly what it is. If you mm-hmm. watch a game, it's you know, it's you're winning. Mm-hmm. You're attacking, you know, you're trying to defend, you're crossing a, a boundary, yep. which is like the, the the border to the city, mm-hmm. the gates to the to the brothel or to the
1: <laughs> castle or All to right. wherever
0: you're trying to break into. Wow.
1: Yeah. And they even had these um all the top schools were Ivy League, upper class, uh, you know, super rich people. And then one of the top schools was Carlisle Indian School, which was the lowest of the law, like poorest people in the United States, Indian kids who got sent there in boarding schools. They had nothing to do. They would play football. And so what they would do is that they would study the rule book, try to figure out what is that nobody's doing. That technically is legal, but that, you know, what kind of loophole can we play with? And they would, Start, you know, using some tactic that nobody had used. Kill everybody in the process. So then the, the league goes, okay, we can't have the damn Indians beating Harvard. So let's change the rules. That thing they do uh, make it illegal. Like what things were? You know what I don't I wish I remember. I read through the list there were some that were really ins- but basically they developed the game of football in terms wow. of how you know this constant game between the league and the Indian school where these guys use some loophole the league can't see makes it illegal and then the next time they use a different loophole and then the league can see and so a lot of the rules of football were shaped to start okay those guys do it let's stop it That's right now. That's
0: interesting. That's Lucky for them, black people weren't playing back then. Yeah, serious. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't change all the rules. Yeah, exactly. It was just, that's what they've done now. They just give up. Like, so, it's mostly black. So people you can run, you can. T- <laughs> you can get really big and white and block yeah. the runners, <laughs> or you, you can get uh, you got good eyesight, hand-eye coordination. Right. You can throw the ball at black people yeah. who run really fast. <laughs> But it's so rare you get like a super speedy white guy. When one comes around like, look at him go Yeah. He runs like a black guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's hilarious. It It is fucking hilarious. And it's funny how the stereotypes change over time because, like, early you had the on the show, like, in his book, how is, break, yeah, how yeah. he breaks down how many of the early natural, the natural Jewish athletes, which mm-hmm. you are know, like, what yeah. what? What? or you know, a lot of the early boxers are all Irish, or mm-hmm. the, you know, and then a lot of Jewish boxers yeah, big back time. in the day. Big time
0: well, there were people that were fucked with. You know, mm-hmm. they were the early immigrants and they were struggling. That's what it always seems to be. It seems to be the 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 group that is like the most recent immigrants. Like now, we get a, you get a lot of Russians, mm-hmm. a lot of Russians in both Europe and am. in America. With so many Russians in MMA, mm-hmm. Dagestan, a lot of yep. Dagestan people, and a fucking a completely disproportionate
1: amount of elite fighters too. Yep, a lot of like really fucking tough guys from Russia. Well, if you are used to, I mean, it's, it's almost stereotypical, but if you are used to toughness throughout your life, mm-hmm. then climbing in the ring doesn't seem like much. If you are all sheltered yep. and protected, climbing in the ring is scary as hell. Exactly.
0: It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And it's also like the hunger that you have yep. because your your life has been like just filled with despair and mm-hmm. struggle and, and a lot of abuse. So, like, violence becomes, like, some sort of an automatic response to reaching out for abuse, uh, uh, you know, reaching out in response for the the abuse you've suffered. Like, they, they like, have a—that's where a chip on your shoulder comes from, right? Right. It's like someone just just waiting for someone to say some shit because you've just been dealing— bottled up you have this, this rage that yeah. is like
1: please just cross that line so i have an excuse to beat the shit out of you right now yeah of and course. a few
0: generations later your kids are pussies yeah
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then you look at them like go play football <sighs> damn it what it's, kind of man are you
0: but is it's weird because like isn't it kind of a good thing that they become pussies because that means we've become civilized and everyone's sort of calmed down it's like there's this weird fine line that we walk because Ultimately, we would like to have no violence like ultimately yep. we would love it if you never had to worry about a threat of violence Just go through your entire life. Never worry about anybody Shooting you or stabbing mm-hmm. you or beating you up and that'd be beautiful but along the line you kind of lose out on a Lot of the stuff that comes along with living a hard life. Yep, the character that you develop like yep. everybody that I know that grew up in a tough neighborhood. They have a sharpness to them you know, and there's a character that they have, that they possess, that the people that grew up super cushy and some, you know, Connecticut country club estate type yeah, situation.
1: I've uh, noticed, uh, I didn't grow up in the roughest environment, but it definitely was not uh, upper class, rich, anything. So to me, dealing with gangsters was kind of normal. It was like, you know, just a gangster. There are clear rules of the game. You know how to deal with them. And so to see people who, don't have that experience and when they deal with somebody who is by nature by... What kind of gangsters? Like mafia guys? Not formally no, usually not mafia. More just like, you know, people who deal, people who uh, rob, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing where it's like the guys who are some serious artist of just shoplifting who just can go into a store and walk out and they would do it pretty much professionally where they make a living by you know, stuff like that, where it's always, like, crossing, definitely doing illegal stuff. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I've met some guys who are probably more well-connected in a more formal way, but not, that was not the normal thing. But the normal thing was guys who, who do a lot of illegal stuff, or right. maybe they are not technically against it in a strict sense, but people who uh, get into a lot of fights, or, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, where it's, like, sort of outside of the normal rules of civilized society. But to me, it's, like, there are clear rules of what you do with those guys. Usually if you treat them with respect and you don't show yourself to be a wimp, they treat you fairly well. There's uh, if you know how to play the game. If you don't, you know, these guys will test you. And if they smell weakness, then they'll just clamp down on you, you know. and if you Or if you look down on them, they will clamp down on you, you know. There's a very clear rule of the game that if you play it right, you can have very mellow, pleasant interactions. Yeah. But people who don't have that experience that i see them interact with i'm like don't say that you cannot say that to that guy <laughs> you know that's just not gonna end well it's that's bad
0: well some people have a real issue with letting people in to their life like mm-hmm. you, you would see that like that was what people always said about like rap music and one of the big problems with rap music is these guys would make it and they would become legit and mm-hmm. then they would let like gangsters in their life because they wanted to be yeah. seen with these people, they wanted to be legit, and then all of a sudden, these people are like completely intertwined in their life. Yep. Apparently, that happened with Edward James Olmos when he did that movie, American Me. Yeah, that was. <clears throat> Do you know the story behind yeah, that? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Scary business.
0: Yeah, it was a heavy-duty movie, and the movie was all about these Mexican gangbangers. And apparently, he had become friends with these guys. You know, yep. in air quotes, friends. Yeah. Right. Um while filming this movie, and just got way too close, and they just started extorting him. Mm-hmm. And they started demanding money, and, you know, they, they knew where he lived, and it became a real fucking issue.
1: Yeah, you are their lunch at that point. Yeah. And, again, if they think that there's any weakness there, mm-hmm. then you're screwed. That's why it's uh, there's a predatorial aspect to that game where you need to know how to play it, otherwise you're fucked.
0: And I'm sure he wanted to be down, you know? Yeah, like of course. He's doing this movie, right. and he's got to play Local... this gangster cholo, but... Then the movie had all this gay sex in it. Yeah, that was right. Hey, uh, you're not I'm supposed to talk about that. Still traumatized now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> that was a
1: heavy movie, man. Yeah, there was a lot of
0: weirdness in that movie. It's like, what is going
1: on? Yeah, that was rough. <whistles> Definitely bad stuff. Yeah.
0: But that that whole, like, becoming tight with gangsters, like, that's a that's a common tale. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, that, has repeated itself over and over and over again like with hollywood actors that wanted to be like tough guys or and that
1: weakness right there because if they smell that you want something from Mm -hmm. them or that you look up to them in some way then that's weakness if they see you putting them down that's also a challenge so Mm -hmm. you're kind of screwed if you do one thing you're screwed if you do another there's sort of a narrow way it's not too narrow you know there's a way to do it but if you step outside of it yeah you're fucked yeah and it's, but it's the same thing. Is like getting into fights. You know how if you are too aggressive, you will get into fights because you're challenging people and you're backing them in against the corner mm-hmm. and they have to fight you back. But if you are too mellow, then people won't respect you and they see you as weak and they come after you. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to have that boundary where you're polite to people, you're nice, but the message is: Look, I'm nice because I choose to. If yeah. you decide to cross that line, I'm gonna fuck you up right now. And that vibe where it's like you can bring up the goods when it comes down to throwing down but you don't volunteer it you're not this macho guy who's like trying mm-hmm. to get into a fight that's what usually people who are out for a fight tend to respect and buy away from He's like, that guy, I'm not going to pick that guy. I'm going to pick the next one.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of variables, and sometimes sure. you just run into the wrong person yeah. at the wrong time. Shit happens, but of it, course. But there's a parallel with the animal world. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about, like, dogs, yep. like certain dogs. If you're around dogs and you panic and you run, they'll chase you and oh, bite yeah. you. Yep. It's, like, instinctive yep. on their part. They can't. They almost can't help it. Yep. Whereas if you encounter dogs or even some wild animals, you know, and they say you have to stand your ground or yell at them, like mountain lions especially. Yep. You know, they say you're supposed to look big and make mm-hmm. noise, and they're like, "All right, fuck this! I'm out of here. It's too yep. much work." You know, they don't want to get injured, so they, they they're, they're looking for something easy. But yep. when they when they sense weakness, I think it's almost nature. Like nature wants them to go
1: after you. You look at this weak bitch. Let me I'll just you. eat him.
0: Let's just eat this <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, that's that's what it is. That's yeah. the
1: predatory. I remember once when I was a kid, I was probably like 18, 19 years old, and I was. Uh, I found myself in one of the situations. I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Because I basically ended up in the middle of two, g- not exactly gangs, but close to, uh, they were about to get into a fight. And I was.
0: Like West Side Story type shit? Kind
1: of, you know. So it's not real <laughs> mafia or blood and creeps, real gangster, but it's, you know. Tough l- guys. Yeah. And. I was dealing with some guys and then this other group come along and I'm in the middle and you can't really walk away because you are a bitch. So it's like, oh, Jesus, really do I have to be in the middle of this shit? And, you know, they start in this ritualized way where they start talking shit. And so you you can almost set your clock. It's like, OK, we're two and a half minutes away from the fight. Right. <laughs> it's like they are going through their dances that they're going to do a push. Then they're gonna, and then they're going to throw down. And I remember I was talking with some of these guys from, quote-unquote, the other side, assuming that I was with one side. But And my vibe with these guys was like, look, if we really want to do this, okay, fine, let's do this. But honestly, I was thinking I had a date tonight. I want to go out with this hot woman. We're going to go to a movie. I kind of rather would do that than these but I don't know maybe you guys do you guys have nothing better to do I mean if we if we don't let's fucking do it that's Italians it, right? you guys are sitting there having these long yeah. conversations <laughs> exactly. sit down have a coffee a little spaghetti and it was hilarious because in the meantime the two main guys were kind of building it up and mm-hmm. by the time they turned around nobody wanted to fight they were all like no you're right I kind of want to do this other thing fuck this I don't feel like it. and you know they, they said they would lift their shirt and they had chains on <laughs> they're like you know I come ready but you're right fuck this I chains go. they're ready yeah. to fight with chains yeah yeah because you know nobody Jesus. has guns so it's all so it's uh, a chain fight yeah, yeah wow that kind of thing so that's it oh Jesus Christ so I thought that's a win you know I didn't get to I, I felt like okay that was one of my better days in terms of how I played it because if again if you show too much fear then you get squashed but if <laughs> (laughs) show too much aggressiveness, then you invite a fight.
0: There's also a natural thing when groups of men meet. It's Mm -hmm. almost like it's a tribal thing that's in our DNA back to when you would run into people, you know, out in the field and it it would turn into a war, Mm -hmm. like almost like an instinctive bonding thing. I wonder if that's where, like, because a lot of the most heinous atrocities that human beings have ever created or uh, committed, rather, they, they've committed in the process of war, right? Yeah. And they say that during the process of war, like, people are capable of horrific, terrifying things that they would never do ordinarily. And then also they say that when you have, like, this mob mentality, like, people will do things, like... Gang rapes or gang murders, yep. gang beatings, lootings, lighting p- places on fire. like The behavior escalates to this really like insane place yep. that is very, very rare for someone to go to on their own yep. as an individual. And I wonder if that's ingrained in us because of this long history of war in the human race that when you get a bunch of men together and a bunch of men on the other side we just immediately go to fucking scorched earth it's immediately cutting off heads and lighting bodies on fire and
1: catapulting them onto rooftops (laughs) and just you know what i mean it's like i know human history does read like game of thrones to me game of thrones is a fictionalized documentary it's just it's how it is <laughs> right that's and how dragons yeah, yeah and dragons yeah minus the dragons but other than that it's just most of human history has been like that and then you get into those things where maybe you don't want to start it but you remember remember those fuckers yeah. they got little johnny the other time and uh-huh. they burned him and so now you feel entitled get them back exactly and yeah. then it never ends because it's the the other guy started it i'm not choosing this game but hey they started it and then they remember that you did it. it's like you never get out.
0: Yeah, I tried to explain that to somebody once when I was talking about street fights. And I was saying that, you know, you, if you get into a fight with someone, you're not just getting into a fight. You're signing a contract that you will be in conflict with them mm-hmm. back and forth until it's resolved. It's not as simple as you get in a fight. and It's very rare that two people get in a fight and then after that fight's over, like, it's over. All right? We'll shake hands and walk away. Right. Even often in a contest, like a jujitsu match or a kickboxing match or something along those lines after it's over people are still upset if they lose mm-hmm. and they still want to get that guy back but a fight fight like an Oof. actual fight on the street fight oh my god this, that can go on for like the what was the uh, the famous feud in america the the Hatfields and the McCoys oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of course right? yeah they, these t- two wacky families killed each other back and forth for years yep. they just couldn't resolve it
1: now that's why when you once you start is uh you better finish it, you yeah. know. But if you're gonna go down that way, then you have to go down all out. Then you just need to really put an end to that situation where nobody from the other side can come get you. But then in a war you're talking genocide. Yeah. That's not exactly the most pleasant solution in the world that you wanna get into. But the reality is that beating somebody is only postponing the next fight. It's kind of like yeah. World War One and World War Two. Is uh they are mad because they got beaten. They are reaching for a chance for revenge. And the first time they have it, they'll jump on it because they are pissed off, and understandably so. So unless it's resolved in some way where everybody can say, we are done, right? Mm-hmm. Are we not, We're Not we not saying we're happy, but can we live with the current compromise, the, the stuff that we reach after the fight, the balance of power? Can you live with it? Then it becomes a lot. Then that's why World War II, you know, dumping a ton of money into Germany and much of Western Europe rebuilding it. They took away that resentment that otherwise would have been there. Or like, those fuckers put us in this situation and it ruined our life. And that's our, why our economy sucks. That's mm. why everything, you know, being extra generous in that regard wasn't just generous out of the goodness of your heart. It's because you want to make sure you don't fight World War Three in yeah. 10 years down the road. And that works. That's a good alternative to genocide.
0: Yeah, smart people learned how to negotiate. They go, yeah. like, oh, look, we're going to – let's just work this out. Yep. Let's figure out a way, a mutually agreeable way where we can – Walk away and have some dignity, and yep. it's it's really fascinating. I've, I had this conversation with Duncan once, mm-hmm. and it was the first time I ever thought this. But I said that the history of the human race is essentially military history.
1: That's it, I've been obsessed with this thought because um, next time I chat with Dan Carlin, I, that's what I want to bring up, and the one question I want to ask him is exactly about this. He's like, I love what Dan does. I love, you know, a lot of history. I dig it from so many different angles. And yet why do we always end up talking about horrible stuff? And I do it yeah. too. You know, shit, my first two episodes of History on Fire are all about some nasty things. And I'm like, insane shit. Why is it the stuff that we remember? Why is it that the stuff that makes the history book is all the horrible atrocity, massacre, wars, set people on fire? Is it that just we don't do anything else or that it doesn't catch our attention? I wish there was a way to also put the spotlight in history on some more mellow aspects of people who figured out ways to live a good life in the mm-hmm. middle of all the shit that was going down. It seems so much of it is, as you're saying, it's all military stuff. It's all fight, war, explode the other side. and
0: That's really the big events, though. I mean, when you look at the history of the United States, what what are the events that people talk about? Well, arguably, the whole slavery, right? Mm-hmm. Arguably, that's a war because it's a it's a war sure. on these people's sovereignty. It's a war on their freedom. Yeah. And there's a and then a real war breaks out between the North and the South over the rights to this, and then the economic aspects of it. And then you look at World War One, of course, and World War Two. It's we got to fight the Nazis, and then we got freedom and all this. I mean, it's. The entire country, like the history of this country, is war. And then you go back to Europe. Well, the history of Europe is all war, too. And other than figuring out the printing press and a bunch of different cool inventions. Look, one of the great uh, podcasts that Dan Carlin did on history that's not necessarily about war is riddled with violence the prophets of doom oh yeah about martin i mean that's not about war but it is it is
1: yeah it's still violence fucking
0: horrific yeah horrific amazing and horrific violence yeah yeah
1: yeah. but i think a lot of it is there's a bias in the record because there's it's a cheap easy way to get people attention and so most of the, our history, it's an easy way for us to go down that path. And I do it too, right? It's, mm-hmm. I look at 90% of the episodes I'm preparing for History on Fire. I'm like, oh, great. It's another beheading of this. And it's another. And I realize, but why don't we, and I don't mean we as in, I mean in general. It's like people who write history, our way of thinking. Why I'm not denying that part. That's an important part, and we should look at it. But why don't we also look at other things? It's like, what's wrong with uh, studying about, you know, putting the accent more on stuff about people dropping acid and having sex outside of Mm. marriage a lot more and listening to cool music and coming out with Jimi Hendrix? And why is that that less important than the Cold War? Uh, It's not. To me, that just is, I mean, how many people's life has it touched or has transformed that way? A lot, a lot, as much as, you know, sometimes we think whose precedent is history. Mm -hmm. In fact, in most of our lives, whose precedent is most mildly important, at most, and there are so many other things that count for so much more. But why is it that then when we write a history, it's about whose precedent and what war took place when there's so much other stuff in our lives that count for more. Isn't
0: the when we were talking about the sixties, isn't a big part of the sixties though, the Vietnam War and the resistance sure. to the Vietnam War? And that sort of fueled that sort of crazy hippie behavior because they realized that these old assholes and their mm-hmm. shitty, stupid ways, had led us into the South Pacific and this crazy war that nobody wanted. I mean that that's a big part, I think, of the rebellion of the nineteen sixties. It's almost unavoidable because that's the worst thing that can happen. See, the worst thing that can happen is someone kills you or kills your loved ones, sure. right? So when that happens en masse, you know, like in war, well, that those become the biggest blips on
1: the social radar. That's, yeah. yeah, you're right. So I guess embrace our inner Game of Thrones <laughs> and just deal with it. Huh? Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it
0: kind of seems like it's unavoidable. Well, what's unavoidable, it seems like at least historically, I'm not saying about for the future, but- war seemed unavoidable Mm -hmm. because it was never avoided. I mean, it's hard to argue that war is avoidable when it's never been avoided. It's like you kind of, at a certain point in time, you know, if, if a, like, if a girl acts like a cunt all the time, she's always screaming and yelling and clawing and pulling chicks' hairs, and she's like, I'm not a cunt. But you're a cunt every day. <laughs> it's like, you might be a cunt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you wear it today, you wear it the day before. You, you are... fucking keyed three people's yeah. cars today. You, you threw a fucking bag out the window. You're a cunt. Yeah, I'm glad you don't feel that way, but the but evidence seems to say. You don't understand yeah. me. I don't understand you. Okay. Well, people are warlike. No, we're not. We're not, man. We're not. Okay. But human history says you're wrong. Yep. It really does. Like, there's not a single moment in time in human history where someone, somewhere, wasn't killing. Like, okay. Let's look at it this way. I believe firmly. That if you, me, and Jamie all lived together on an island, we would not kill each other. That's if we had plenty of food and we didn't we didn't argue over resources, we got along great. I don't think we would kill each other. Assuming that there are at least three women there. At least one girl that's got a lot of endurance. <laughs> that, that could work as well. <laughs> okay, That could also do it. But even if there wasn't, right? Even yeah. if we just went and jerked off in bushes for the rest of our lives. <laughs> if... You would, you would say, okay, the, the odds of us killing each other are extremely, extremely small. Mm-hmm. So if there was only three of us on the planet, there would be no war. Right. That would be it. Yep. There would be no war. But as soon as you get more than three, mm-hmm. as soon as you get more than ten, like if there was ten of us, if it was ten of us living on an island, man, the odds of somebody getting jacked, it's, it goes up. They start, yeah. It's, you get to 20, ooh, things right. get weird. Something can happen, things mm-hmm. get weird. How about if it's 20 and 17 are guys and three are women? Oh, yeah. Someone's going to die. Yeah, at that point, there's it's death. a
1: guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even up for debate. It's a
0: number thing, yeah, right? Like, is. you get to a certain, certain number of yeah. people, and then war becomes inevitable. And there's never been a time, ever, in the history of the human race, where someone, somewhere, wasn't killing somebody. Mm-hmm. It's literally never happened. Yep, yep. Not that we know of. Right. Well, you need to read the Bible and go back to the time of Jesus. Adam and Eve never did anything to each other. They were... I think there's a certain point in time where you you know, you know go back and people were essentially dealing with predators. Mm-hmm. And that might have been the only time we weren't killing each other. Yep. We're just constantly worried about getting eaten. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we had a to work threat, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, like giraffes kill each other. Like right. I didn't know until this year that giraffes kill each I other. I didn't
1: know that. I just found out now,
0: dude. You got to see the way they do it. What do they, they do? They beat each other with their necks. Oof. they use their head like a whip. You know those those weird yeah. knobs that they have yeah. on their heads? They whip each other with those things. They use their head like literally like a whip, and they it's the weirdest thing to pull that shit up, Jamie. They beat they beat each other to death though. Like vicious, commonly beat each other to death. Fucking giraffes. Yeah. Who knew? Until I started hunting, I didn't know that deers kill each other all oh, yeah. the time. The they stab go. each other all the time. <laughs> it's a fucking <laughs> what a horrible doggy dog world. You imagine you grow swords on your head and you just run yeah. around stabbing each other. But but giraffes, it's so odd to do it because it's a whipping thing. Look. See, they whip each other. Look at that. Bam. Look at this. They stand side they, to side. Yeah, they stand side to side, and they push on each other, yeah. and then they whip each other with their heads.
1: What are it's, they thinking
0: right now? It's like, Look at how they do it. This funny. seems like it's sped up, Jamie. Is it sped up? I don't think so. Wow. Oh, it's not sped up. No, it is sped up. Yeah, it's sped up. That's sped up.
1: Yeah. It's so weird. This
0: is not sped up. Okay, this one's not sped up. That's more realistic. I think the first one in the – this is a video series of uh, – what is the name of this uh, video? Uh, Giraffes Fighting Giraffe Battles. But they, they always do it the same way. They go side to side. just like two dudes standing shoulder to shoulder and then headbutting each other. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's so
1: strange, man. And these guys at least are clinching this one. The previous ones mm. were in this stand side to side, walk each other, and then t- take five seconds where they are thinking about the next one. But move look, without. they get back
0: to the same position. Yep. They always get back to the shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder position. When they clinch up, it's just to get back to the side-by-side side position so they can fucking headbutt each other. So strange. These
1: guys are hardcore.
0: And they use their head, they use their head to the body. See, they attack yep. the body. With those antlers, the way they're like, they're like nubs, whatever it is. But they'll go to the same spot over and over again, like right to the rib cage. Can you imagine if giraffes had actually like deer antlers? They would just gore oh, the shit out of each other. They the would. Way. But see, if you go to the zoo, you would never imagine that this takes place. No, because one of the cool things about giraffes is that they're an animal that's so universally gentle yep. that you can have babies feed them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like uh, my daughter, when she was two years old, we mm-hmm. let her. They they give you lettuce, and you hold out the lettuce, and the giraffe comes over with this crazy tongue that's like an arm, and they reach out with their tongue, and it wraps it around the leaves, and it pulls it. But they're so confident in their behavior around people that they let babies feed them. But you get these two motherfuckers together, and they fight over some pussy. (laughs) 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 That's what he told. It is. (laughs) It's exactly what this is. That's exactly what the the deer don't fight. You know, deer get together in bachelor groups- When they're not breeding, when the rut is over, and they're all right, and they're buddies, they're all buddies together. That's like one of the best ways that uh, people hunt them out of the rut is to find bachelor groups. And then they get get done with those bitches; they don't even want (laughs) to hang out with them. As soon as they get done fighting, or as soon as they done fighting and fucking, they're like, "Let's just hang out, guys. Come on, let's go wander through the countryside. Let's go camp." Let's go hang out. Tell some stories. Come on, guys. <laughs> I know we stabbed each other a couple of weeks ago, but that's over, bro. You it's survive.
1: over. I survive. We Let's can be friends again. Wow. They
0: heal up quick, too. That's another bizarre thing about deer. It's like they'll stab each other, and they, they put these horrible gashes in their body, and then like a week later, it's like completely sealed up, and they're just walking around like nothing happened. Wolverine power. Just they just super, super high metabolism wow. and probably just... You know they only live like seven years, so I think whatever yeah. injuries they have just seals up quick. Because there was this video of this guy. Uh, he went bow hunting and he missed this deer. He missed a, a good spot. He, you know he missed the vitals and he mm-hmm. hit it in the shoulder. So the the deer got an arrow in its shoulder. And then they found the deer a week later walking around like nothing. Just arrow fell off. Oh, it fell off. Arrow fell off. The the hole in the shoulder had healed up. Just wow. seal sealed itself. It's like what the That's fuck? That's freaky. Well, they're just they have they have to be like that. Yeah, they're weird. Yeah, in of their course. world, yeah. they're getting stabbed all the time by swords that these dudes are
1: growing <laughs> on their heads. They were competing for sex and competing for sex. That goes back to my point. If they mm. were giraffe hookers or deer hookers, <laughs> these guys would suddenly get along.
0: Well, the crazy thing about deer is, it's not about like it's not just about sex. It's literally only about sex one time a year. It just. That increases the
1: pressure. It's like, this is my one chance, man. And I only live seven years. So how many chances do I really have in my life? Three, four, five at most. At most. If you're you're in my way, I'm going to fucking kill you. I don't, yeah.
0: Yeah. Most of them, they freeze to death. They freeze to death. They starve to death. Like they'll wear their teeth down to nothing and they can no longer process grains. Ooh, that's not Uh. a good way to go. It happens to a lot of deer. Like a lot of people will kill an old deer and then they open its mouth up and they go, wow, he would have never made it through the winter. Because their their teeth are gone, they just have a very finite resource with those teeth. And at
1: me. that point, you're really doing them a favor because that's a oh, yeah. way to go by slow starvation. That, mm-hmm. That's fucked up.
0: Or they get even worse. They're on their way to getting starved, and the coyotes find them. Yeah, they're weak.
1: And then you get like, eaten oof, alive. Yes, asshole first.
0: Sit. That's how they get you. Ugh. Ooh. There was a thing that I tweeted today, Jamie. You see that thing about there's a literally a new species. Um, that is evolving before our eyes. It's a mix of coyotes, wolves, and, and dogs, and domestic dogs. No, and don't. that a hybrid of these three is incredibly successful. And it's uh, like Home. the coy wolves are coyotes and wolves. And we've known about them for a while. And that's really a fascinating thing because it's a larger coyote. But yeah, look, look, look at, at this. New species, it's new species evolving right before our eyes. An ultra successful mix of wolves, coyotes, and dogs. It's a really interesting article. But it's an actual. It's, this is from the Economist. This is actually they're mating with each other, and they're creating an actual species, really fast.
1: Wow, that's trippy. Yeah.
0: The inbreeding began up to 200 years ago as European settlers pushed into southern Ontario and cleared the animal's habitat for farming and killed a large number of wolves that lived there. It also allowed coyotes to spread from the prairies, and the white farmers brought dogs into the region. Over time, wolves began mating with their new, genetically similar neighbors, and the resulting offspring, which had been called the eastern coyote or to some the coy wolf, now number in the millions, according to research of North Carolina State University. This is really interesting stuff, man. That's crazy.
1: 55 pounds? Yeah, Not small at all.
0: No. 437, this is cool. An an analysis of 437 hybrid animals found that the coyote DNA dominates its genetic makeup with about one-tenth of its DNA from dogs, Usually from a larger dog, such as Doberman Pinschers and German Shepherds, and a quarter from wolves. Wow, wow. that's freaky!
1: But yeah, it doubled in size compared to a coyote. That's yeah. big.
0: Yeah, it's just it's 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 fascinating to think how a species evolved in the first place. Yeah. Like. How did a wolf become a wolf? You know, how did a giraffe become a giraffe? And to see something like this happening and have a very clear line, like a genetic line, right. like, this is what caused this. This is
1: amazing stuff, man. It's fucking trippy, though. Sure is. That's always what you wonder about evolution going wrong. When you see those animals, you know you think about wolves, and then you see some of the dog species today. I'm like, how the fuck did you come about? (laughs) (laughs) You're not suited for anything, man. It's like,
0: and they've been doing it for thousands of years. That's like a modern dog has been around for thousands of years. We we don't even know the original origin. Like, there's a lot of speculation. They believe that the wolves that were around human beings, they became. Uh, they became different because they wanted the people to like them. Mm-hmm. So they became the more successful ones that stayed were the ones that are a little more timid and more beta playful. Um, yeah, yeah. they did a study on foxes a really interesting study that they highlighted in this uh, radio lab podcast, but they were talking about genetic diversity in uh, genetic diversity in foxes where they um, only allowed the foxes that were timid and um and like more more accepting of human be- human touch and to mm-hmm. be around humans they only allowed them to live and they sort of like bred right. those let those breed with other ones and over like 10 years they had completely changed the fox dna wow. like they had completely changed to the point where their ears no were no longer pointed they flopped they didn't stick straight up they flopped their jaws became more feminine
1: in 10 years. Yeah,
0: and their colors started changing. It's nuts. Yeah, 10 years. It's like
1: three it. generations maybe yeah. for foxes or something. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: I mean probably more than three generations because, you know, a generation isn't exactly the entire lifetime. It's like how long it takes you to breed into successful so – you know, you might lead. A couple of yeah. years
1: or something, so maybe five generations. Yeah, or it's s- crazy still though. Still not much. Yeah, maybe Five generations is nothing.
0: Well, that's what they're finding now more and more, the more they study life, is that life can evolve and change and shift and adapt incredibly quickly. Wow. My favorite story of that is the Congo, because the Congo used to be like a grassland. It used to be a Mm savanna. And then the climate changed. and It became this really lush rainforest. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these animals that were like savannah animals they got trapped right now they are stuck they're in stuck inside this rainforest yeah. so like there's this bbc documentary on the congo and one of the cool things is seeing this swampy crazy rainforest and then seeing these deer run through the water of the rainforest these antelopes and you're like whoa they're from, supposed to be in grasslands yeah. and they're just trapped
1: in this, this insanely dense rainforest did they change uh, anything like a their habits their anything about their physical features that was dramatically different
0: some of them one of them is called a diker and a diker is a very small antelope but it can swim underwater for up to 100 yards and it eats fish
1: the hell what the (laughs) hell yeah not what i would picture yeah Hundred yards underwater, underwater. That's what the fuck.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's it became something that adapted to that environment. Wow. Yeah, they can eat fish, but they found that deer eat um, birds. They didn't know that until like really recently. And one of the ways they found it was uh, through camera traps, um, because you know they have these camera, um, these trail cams that people put up when they're hunting. And when they put up these trail cams, as the trail cams got more and more sophisticated, they started using video trail cameras. And as the video trail cameras started, you know, they get the data Mm -hmm. back from them, they started finding, like, occasionally birds, like, deer would eat ground-nesting birds. Yeah. Yeah
1: so ruin in my Disney fantasies. Oh, you just dude. told me that they giraffes the beat the shit out of each other, <laughs> that deer <laughs> eat birds. What? There are no certainties in life anymore.
0: I know. They're all evil. Those <laughs> goddamn animals, the ones that we have anthropomorphized into these beautiful creatures right. that exist solely on the power of love. Yeah. Yeah, there was a—they um they did some sort of a a study where they were capturing— certain birds with nets mm-hmm. and they would set the nets up and the birds would run to the nets and get caught well the deer would just walk right up to the birds in the nets and just start eating them Wow. just chewing them alive while they're in the net just so
1: much for the innocent male yeah. deer huh?
0: and because it, it wasn't like they were just testing like trying it out like is this food though like, no, they just
1: went right to it
0: they like so deer apparently eat ground
1: nesting birds all the time well, being a ground-nesting bird, that looks like shitty human... Like, that's just bad evolution right what there. Because it's a like, dog-shit life. <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, you're know, you a bird. What the hell are you doing on the ground? That's just a bad idea. Yeah,
0: don't you know how to put sticks
1: and twigs in the trees, you dumb fuck? Not that that helps a lot. It's like where I live, there's regularly, almost on a monthly basis, there's like some cute little birds nesting, the eggs are hatching and everything, and the hawk regularly come by yeah. and just reap the shit out of them and i find pieces of birds everywhere and it's pretty nasty
0: yeah my friend tom was uh sitting out on his back porch he was uh one of the directors of news radio back in the day tom seronis great guy and he was uh, in studio city and he goes i'm sitting he had this like sort of georgia accent i'm sitting on my porch enjoying my coffee and i see a dove or you know some sort of Mm -hmm. a bird maybe it was a dove sitting on the uh fence and then out of nowhere, a hawk comes and yep. snatches that bird up. And he goes, and part of me felt lucky to see that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like lucky because it yeah. doesn't happen every day. But it also like made you realize like it's hard out there for a
1: stuff ward. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and birds eat birds.
1: That's another fucked
0: up yeah, thing. What's with that? I never
1: thought of that. I saw um, not so long ago. I was coming back home, and I heard this bird just yapping away just making this crazy noise i'm like what the hell and i look up in the tree and i see this one bird just just mad just going and then i see that right next to it like maybe 10 feet away there's this hawk that has Mm. another bird in his mouth that look exactly Uh. like the one that's yelling so this one is probably like saying you son of a bitch you are just eating my wife that's not right and it's like i was like man that's a rough life right there Yeah, hawks jack everybody. Yep. Everybody gets jacked. Except I saw once a YouTube video of a hawk committing suicide by eagle. Decide to attack an eagle's nest. Oh, no. It's not a good idea. You see this eagle who's just like minding his business. It's this big, bold eagle. And then clearly before even the camera picks up, because the camera, I guess, was set on the nest to capture whatever was going on there. You see this eagle just suddenly see something and buffs up, like ready for the fight. And the next thing you see is this hawk coming in, just fighting with the eagle and it lasts about six seconds as the eagle just go whack, whack and just rip the hawk to pieces because it's like, oh. you know, I'm glad you beat all the other birds, but an eagle is an eagle. Step away. You're you're beginning to overestimate your skills here, (laughs) man. (laughs) It got drunk. Yeah, exactly. got drunk started to
0: take on an eagle. Maybe ate some fermented berries or something.
1: They're fucking eagles. They think they are all that. I'm going to show them right now. And yeah, that did not work.
0: It's interesting that birds fly in flocks, right? Like Canadian geese and ducks and sparrows, but not the ones that eat meat. No. The ones that eat meat, you're on your own, bitch. Yep. You know? There's probably this uh, competition. Uh, the, yeah, definitely. Something about that flesh. Something about eating that meat just changes yeah. the whole dynamic of the situation. The ones that eat
1: the meat. Speaking of which, after seeing your Instagram picture of your elk dinner, I'm like, I want teen, I'm going to be knocking on the Rogan's house. Dude, I got, got some elk yeah. for you.
0: Fuck, I wish I had gone hey, to oh, the... I have to... Get some, but I have a freezer in the back. I'll hook you up next time I see you. I'll bring you some elk steaks. Beautiful. You'll love it. I'll, uh, I'll teach you how to cook it too. It's it's a little different because there's very little fat. so You uh-huh. have to cook it quick. The easiest very to cook. Quick. I'll give you some ground elk. Is the easiest mm-hmm. to cook, like elk burgers. Super high protein too. It's like um um I think it's twenty two grams of protein per pound, which is like way more than domestic beef. Right. So like between I think the highest is elk. And the second highest is moose. I okay. think those are the highest of the, the that type of animal mm-hmm. that you can get. But it's really delicious, too, man. So good. I love awesome. it. So good for you, too. And you don't have to feel guilty about factory farming and all yeah, that other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're short... going to eat meat, might as well. Mm. It's
1: better that wild and had a good life, and that's it. You know, factory farming sucks.
0: Have you ever seen an eagle in the wild?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. They're wild
0: to see right when you see one yeah. in real life, you're like, God, those things are
1: big. In South Dakota, yeah, I've seen them. South too. Dakota. Yeah. yeah.
0: There's a uh, crazy video online from Alaska of this kid and his whole family is uh, their their lawn is covered with bald eagles, and they were throwing out fish. They uh, had like uh, some salmon, so right. they had filleted the salmon, and then they had the bottoms, mm-hmm. the, the the ribs, and the heads, and all that stuff, and they were, they had thrown it out for these eagles. And their their fucking lawn is just overwhelmed with bald eagles. So we like to think of bald eagles as like being something like, like extremely endangered yep. and protected. Well, Alaska is a different story, I guess. It's a totally different a, story. They're yeah. protected in some places. Right. But in Alaska, they're not protected. Yeah. I yeah. mean, not not they're not protected, I should say. They're endangered in a lot of places, but they're not endangered in Alaska. They're still protected. Yeah, I know. In Here Alaska, it is. There's... Like, look at all these.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. So this, uh, what's the name of this video, Jamie? It says uh, 1 p.m. on a summer night in, um, how is that a summer night? It's 11 fucking... p.m. Oh. You can't see, it. <laughs> you can't see all the all. other one. I was like, you yeah. inbreds. <laughs> 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 it's not night just because it's p.m. But look at all these eagles, man. And the, those, uh, the ones that aren't black with uh, white, those are the immature ones. Those uh. are the, the young ones. And some, sometimes those young ones are fucking enormous, man.
1: Yeah, they don't look small. That's for sure.
0: No, they're all over this guy's lawn. Yeah, and uh, they they throw like these buckets of fish out for them. But they have you know eagles all over the place up there. Yeah, in California, we have some eagles still. We have golden eagles. They they still find them, but they're just not for whatever reason not nearly as common as they are up there in Alaska. I guess it's also probably because they have a lot of food up there with all the salmon. Yeah, the salmon runs. This is just uh, one part of the video. This video is pretty long. But see, they're, they're sitting around waiting for this guy to chuck, like, fish heads for them. It's a, just an amazing animal. This, this animal, this, this flying raptor that really is probably exactly like what the dinosaurs are like. It's fascinating when they find more and more evidence that many dinosaurs had feathers. Hmm. And I think there's really probably not much difference between some birds, like eagles, yeah. and some dinosaurs. And then they know that some birds, even birds that lived uh, like fairly recently, like the terror birds, they were uh, these large, flightless, six-foot, seven-foot-tall birds. He's going to go for the head. Look at yeah. him. He's like, should I get that head? Mm. I want to get that head, but that fucking dude with the camera. He's <laughs> still close. <laughs> He's thinking yeah. about it. Look at his little baby steps. Uh-oh. Nope, pussy. Backing out. Pussy. Whatever. No head for you, faggot. <laughs> <laughs> Swooping in, trying the to get a little one. Is saying, uh, yeah, there it is. This one is more mature. Yeah. He's got a little bit more confidence. Jack! There you oh, go. I love it. I love it. Just swoop in and grab it. God damn, they're awesome animals. I'm, I just, I, th- I find the world of nature to be unbelievably beautiful and exciting and crazy, but for whatever reason, I'm way more thrilled by the predators. Yeah. Like the like when I see things like this, when I see like raptors, that's what excites me. If I see like some sparrows or something like that, pussy ass bitch well, birds. I think we can relate I more in the sense
1: of, you know, as human <laughs> beings, we have you know, hunting and gathering has been what, ninety five percent of yeah. the time we've been around. It's what we did. It's what has been the norm for human beings for the longest period of time.
0: Yeah, but there's just something about dangerous things. I want to show you this picture that sure. somebody sent me. Um, uh, this uh, family friend has um, uh, chickens, and they, ha- they caught a bobcat Ooh, eating their chickens. Yep. Look at this yep. fucker, Jamie. Whoa. Yeah, you know, hold it up to the camera, see if people can see it. This is uh, This is like... I think they live in woodland hills. Yeah. They're so far stuff away from here. here at all.
1: That's what's trippy is that you know, now for the longest time I live closer to the water. Now that I'm living inland, I'm kind of close to Glendale to the hills up in mm-hmm. Eagle Rock and stuff. It's crazy the stuff that you find running around in the middle of houses you oh, see yeah. everywhere and kind foxes. Yeah, all the raccoons. time. The other day I'm <laughs> the other day was kidding. I'm coming back home. I was teaching a night class. So I come back home it's probably like ten thirty PM or something. I arrive, I'm walking through my garden, it's pretty pitch black, and just maybe 20 feet to my right, I hear just something growling at me, right? And I don't know. It completely skipped my rational brain. There was no thought in my mind. The next thing I hear is this meaner, heavier growl. And I realize, oh, wait, that's me. Uh, it's me growling <laughs> at whatever other fucking thing was there. I'm what just was going it? like, just pissed off, right? I never know. Because whatever the other thing was decided, okay, you're fucking crazier than me. So I believe it because I had it. I honestly don't think he was anything big. I think he was probably like some pissed off raccoon trying to show that they are oh, tough yeah. and they are not really. I, I don't think he was any. Raccoons will fight you, though. 'Cause coyotes wouldn't growl. If they want you, they come after you, but they're not gonna growl. And they don't because they are small, so they mind their business. Mountain lion wouldn't and it's very rare anyway, so it's probably a stupid raccoon or something. Yeah, but... he probably
0: got too close to his garbage yeah, stash.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and he was all trying to
0: Yeah, this was a bobcat. This this fucking crazy mangy yeah. looking creepy animal. And like I said, this is like real close to where the studio is. And this is a uh, guy had a chicken coop, and this thing figured out how to get in his chicken yep. coop and was eating one of his chickens in his coop and mm-hmm. found it. What a creepy-looking face on that fucker. Look yeah, that at that. Looks like a mean bastard Yeah. Right there. Oh, he's out there earning. Yeah. He's earning his keep. Oh, yeah. He's no. not getting any welfare in the form yeah, of Yeah, nobody's handing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's giving him shit. How, yeah. how big do Bobcats get? They get like 30 or 40 pounds, right? They're pretty big. Yeah, but
1: I would imagine our coyote, coyote is bigger
0: somewhere around there. I bet coyotes don't fuck with bobcats. Probably not. Yeah, I bet it's too much work. Yeah. I mean, they probably could kill them if they got a bunch of them together, but it probably tastes like shit. Right. It's probably like chewing a shoe. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like probably, <laughs> it's it's all so muscle, tough.
1: there's no softness. And...
0: You know what apparently yeah. tastes good? is mountain lion. Really? Yeah. I know this guy in Colorado. In Colorado, they're pretty- um, There's a bunch. They're good about taking care of them, too. They have mountain lion seasons, mm-hmm. and they try to keep the populations down, and- You know, some people argue saying that they're killing too many and this and that. You shouldn't kill them, but there there needs to be some sort of a balance. Otherwise, they start appearing on people's lawns and killing people's animals. Like California has a real problem because they don't allow people to hunt Mm -hmm. them, and they have a lot of coyotes. Or a lot of uh, mountain lions, and yep. that's one of the reasons why the deer population in California is so low. they up, of course. Yeah, and some people like it that way. They think, well, that's the natural yep. balance. Really shouldn't have that many deer mm-hmm. around. And ultimately, I mean, I can see that point where it's probably better to have a lot of mountain lion than it is a lot of Lyme disease or oh, yeah. ticks yeah. and a lot of deer slamming into cars like yep. you do in places that don't have high mountain lion populations, mm-hmm. You know, like Michigan or something right. like that where they have a lot of them. But um, what the fuck is my point?
1: <laughs> that we should eat mountain lions.
0: Oh, they taste good. Yeah. These guys uh, that I know that hunt them in Colorado. And I said, really? I'm like, what does it taste like? And he goes, it's a lot like pork. It tastes really? like pork loin. Yeah. they you take the back strap from a mountain lion and, uh, you know, they uh, they'll roast it. That's like, weird because usually like the
1: big muscular mm-hmm. predators are not exactly yeah. what you think of what you want to eat. But
0: Apparently it tastes really good. They said it tastes really good. Like this one guy that I was talking to, it's like one of his favorite meats. Said so it tastes just like a pork roast. They make it with like a blueberry
1: sauce. I'm getting like, mm. uh, nature school today. I found out there that giraffes are cans. That <laughs> <laughs> deer <laughs> eat birds. That yeah. you can eat a mountain lion.
0: You know all sorts of goodies. There's all sorts of things to be learned yeah. out there about the wild <laughs> natural world. You know, it's just it's it, it, like I said. There's something about the predators that I find just unbelievably fascinating, and I think it's because they have to they have to be so explosive and so quick and mm-hmm. so dangerous yeah. in order to get what they're, they they want to get they can't just walk around and chew on grass and like cows nobody gets excited when they see a cow no. because it's just even if it wasn't so common they're fucking boring yeah. like buffalo they're the same but at least they have cool hair. Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: <laughs> they make some grunting sounds that are... Yeah, buffaloes are cool. I yeah. ended up once in the middle of a herd of buffalo in um, Custer State Park in South Dakota. Really? Where I took, like... Um, they have, you know, the irregular roads that you can take with the car. Then they have some dirt roads that you can still take with the car. So I was kind of off the beaten path. And all of a sudden, I find myself in the middle of, like, probably 300 buffaloes. So I kind of stopped the car, wait there, and they are going everywhere around me right there's like one side to the car the other in front of me behind me and they are big powerful animals you know you see them you're praying not to piss them off because they are solid you know they don't mess around and he was awesome though i mean once i figure okay these guys don't want to fuck with me they just want to move around me and they don't care he was great because you see the all the calves running after they're beautiful they're really awesome animals and yeah it that's the thing with all wild species are cooler than, you mm-hmm. know, all the um, domesticated species tend to be damper, tend to be a lot like, oh, somebody's going to bring me food anyway. Yeah. In the wild, you die, you know, you need to be on, it's like when you see a dog and you see a coyote, the coyotes are silent, you don't hear them make a damn noise, you see them and you're like, oh, is that a dog? And, you know, in three seconds, you know, it's not a dog because mm-hmm. the way they move, the way they it's a whole different game. Most dogs are all dumb and happy, and they're like, Ho oh, 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 I'm here, I'm doing, it. they are way noisier. It's uh, coyotes are sneaky. Yeah, the wilder version is always, uh, you know, you don't cut it if you're if you're not smart in the wild.
0: It's a hard life. It's a hard life, and they, they have this, like, this, uh, uh, this air about them. They're just trying to catch mm-hmm. something, trying to sneak it around. The first time I saw a coyote was in Burbank in 1994 when I first yeah. moved here. I was staying at the Oakwoods. The Oakwoods, they have these uh, pre-furnished apartments. Mm-hmm. That's where I lived. And uh, I was driving to my place, and I saw this dog on the road and another dog next to him. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a wolf. Yeah. And then I realized, <laughs> like, oh, no, that's a coyote. Right. Like, that's a live coyote. And then I realized, like, those are wild coyotes. Uh-huh. And they're just wandering through Burbank. Like, how fucking uh-huh. strange that they can just exist on the streets yep. like I didn't know that they I figured if you lived in the rural areas you'd encounter sure. them but I didn't realize that they had actually gone deep 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 into the cities in search of like cats and yeah. shit
1: big time I I found one in my in my yard not so long ago and it was getting a bit too mm. comfortable it was just kind of roaming around around and I was like first you're like oh this is so cool I can't believe I'm seeing this after a while like okay they're getting a little too comfortable in my yeah. backyard especially because you have a kid and it's I walked creepy. out, and you know, so the coyotes started moving away. And then I realized, what the hell am I doing? I'm putting a wild animal with his back against a fence. That can be a good idea. That's, mm. but that was my sweet illusion, because my idea of the fence, the coyote took a look at me and was like, "You call these a fence?" It was like probably a good six foot fence, and he just jumped it in one thing without yeah. even just it's like these will keep out a dog. Those stupid things you may keep around, but me, I got something else going on, and I was like. Okay, wild animals are a whole different game. But, you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, I had a coyote kill one of my chickens, hop my fence like it was nothing. Really? Yeah, I watched him hop the fence with the chicken in his mouth. I was like, wow.
1: That was, they're powerful.
0: Motherfucker. Yep. Yeah. Well, when chickens brood, um, you have to uh, remove them from their the, the like the regular nest because mm-hmm. they'll sit in the nesting box and they'll pull their feathers off and they they're... get sick, and, and they can do it for like a month and a half at a time. So what you got to do is you got to put them in a small cage, for a couple of days where they have to uh, stand on a rail mm-hmm. and they, they have to clutch and sit on this rail and you do that for a couple of days and then they'll get over the brooding instincts and get normal again. It's just a, a, a cycle because they're not having sex. Oh,
1: is that what it so, is? Yeah,
0: Cause they're not having sex. Like when you eat an egg, it, I didn't know this until really late in life, but an egg Get you (laughs) ready for a
1: new piece of information. Let's go.
0: I thought an egg would become a chicken. This is how retarded I am. I thought the only way that a chicken makes an egg is if she gets fucked by a rooster, and then an egg comes out, and then they sit on the egg, and it becomes a chicken, and you just got to get the egg before the chicken hatches, and you cook it. Right. That's not the case.
1: That's my understanding of it, so please (laughs) enlighten
0: me now. (laughs) They actually lay eggs all the time Uh with no males involved whatsoever. So I have 22 chickens. I have no males. They're all Hmm. females. And they lay usually, if not an egg a day, at at the very least an egg every other day. Close, okay. And those eggs will never be chickens. Hmm. Never. So people that are vegetarians that don't eat eggs... like. You're really silly, because yep. like it's it's animal protein that doesn't hurt anybody. These chickens, they lay these eggs whether yep. you like it or not. And if you don't eat them, they just rot. Right. You can just you know. But um, these uh these chickens, they I would take them when they were brooding, and then I'd put them in this other box, and the other box is outside of their coop, and it was you know fairly secure. But this uh, coyote had figured out how to tip it over. And, mm. uh, got the chicken and he had him in his mouth and I watched him hold it in his mouth and run through my yard with it in his mouth. I'm like, this motherfucker. Yep. And I opened the door thinking like maybe I would be able to get to him before he could jump the fence with the chicken. Nope. Not like, even close. No. Just leapt over it like it was nothing. Yep. Boing. Exactly. Their, their ability is amazing. Yeah. And a mountain lion, Oof. way crazier. Yeah. They can just do ridiculous shit. They can jump, like, 12-foot fences.
1: That would freak me out. In the wild, the mountain lion, if I, yeah—if you don't have any weapons on New York, that's not a good thing. Yeah. That's,
0: that's scary shit. Definitely scary shit. There's a video of this guy hiking, and he's hiking, and as he's hiking, this mountain lion just sitting there staring at him, watching him. Yep. And he's on this trail, and he starts making noise and smacking sticks against the ground, but it's like that guy probably came super close to getting eaten. Yep. And if he was smaller, Oof. especially... It was like a, a, a small woman.
1: Yep. Yeah. There was a case uh, not, what was it, a few years ago in Griffith Park. Mm-hmm. There was uh, some lady got eaten by a mountain lion <laughs> while hiking.
0: <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. They're out there. There's a lot of them. They're, you know, they, they track quite a few of them, but <sighs> I guess when it comes to large, big predators, it's mm-hmm. probably one of the best ones to have around because, you know, the, they they have plenty of shit that they eat. Right. They they keep away from people for the most part but it is weird that we just not only do we want to help them like they're they're setting up these they're like bridges that go across the highway because one of the ways that mountain lions die Mm -hmm. is trying to cross the highway try to cross the 101 and they get nailed Yep, i say fuck them (laughs) you're too stupid you're so stupid learn how to cross traffic dumb fucking cat (laughs) He's so stupid. He run into traffic. It's not a cat that needs to be around. (laughs) That's that's nature's way of thinning the herd. Natural selection. Yeah, there's a lot of them. You know, we don't really need to protect them that much. They need to spend millions of dollars building a bridge. You know, how about clean up Skid Row? How about work on those animals?
1: There's (laughs) when I was, um, I like to go to Big Bear. Because, you know, it's only oh, two it's hours great. away from here or something, Amazing. but it's awesome. It's like a whole other environment. It's beautiful, the mm. trees, everything. So I like to go out there. And the place where I usually go, um, I was chatting with some neighbors, and they were telling me, yeah, you know, these days, bears have stopped coming around. I'm like, why? What's what's up? He's like, oh, because a mountain lion moved into the neighborhood, and even they are freaked out by him. Really? Apparently, they are like, I mean, the bears in Big Bear are not this huge. They're, they're black not, bears. Exactly. Yeah. And, and appearing to this mountain lion is extra aggressive and decided the bears decided let's move to a nicer neighborhood. Also oh, uh,
0: one gangster mountain yeah, lion moved in?
1: Exactly. And this uh and so I was hiking around and it was probably six PM and I'm like, do I really wanna do this at this time? This this does not seem like the best plan in the world right now. Uh, no weapons, yeah, I don't like this too much.
0: Yeah, you got to go with, like, a fucking full hockey outfit on. Yeah, Maybe a football, Theaters pads, there. and some chain mail. Yeah. And they're not going to get you, though. They it have things to, to eat. They have plenty of things to eat. Most of the time, mountain lions don't want to have anything to do with people. Yeah, of it's course. It's the sick old ones that yeah. they need food so bad that they'll, they're willing to take a chance take on chances, a person. Of course. But for the most part, even if you do, like... The natural selection process has probably eliminated people from their diet because every mountain lion that chose to eat a person was killed. Exactly. So yeah. they – somehow or another – They know. Yeah, they know. <laughs> Don't
1: fuck with those bipedal you – know. but, but if they think they can get away with it – Why not? Of why course. Not?
0: But, they, you know, as beautiful as they are, you know, they are – they're terrifying and they're ferocious mm-hmm. and everything. But I would be way more thrilled to see one of those – than I would to see something that doesn't kill things. right? And then it's weird, right? Yeah,
1: I think it goes back to the same thing we were talking about regarding history. Why is it that we're fascinated with that? And we are, you know, yeah. there's no denying it and it would be bullshit to pretend. No, you know, I like peace and mellow and I mm. like to see people shake hands. And it's like, there's a beauty to some mellow, peaceful stuff, but we dig. I mean, we yeah. like you. Why do we like fight it? Why do we? It's what it is, right? It's uh, That's the game. It's... In nature, we like it. We like it among you know Consequences history. Half of it is about the conflict and the wars, and yeah. it's all about that stuff. And it's
0: conflict and consequences. Yeah. Like if you were in the ocean and you saw a uh, a big marlin, like wow, that'd be cool. Okay. Wow, look at that marlin. But if you saw a shark eat the marlin, yeah. it'd be way more exciting. Yeah, you know yeah. if you see if whale whales are cool to see, they're beautiful sure. to see, but a killer whale. Is way cooler right. than a regular whale. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's that something's going to happen here. Yeah. Something exciting and dramatic is going on. A shark. Shark's yeah. shark
0: is way cooler than a regular fish. Yeah, there's something about those type of animals. Like, I would love to go uh, on to Africa in a safari if it wasn't for malaria and Ebola. If it wasn't for those 57 reasons, yeah. yes, that and would fucking be. Fucking parasites and all kinds of crazy shit. I would love to go to Africa just to... In the off chance of seeing a lion take mm-hmm. something down on a safari right I would love to go and see that I'd love to, love to witness that I wonder how often that that takes place like when you go on one of those safaris right I wonder how often you actually see something get jacked
1: yeah even because just because they are hunting doesn't mean they're gonna be successful because yeah. of course a bunch of times you fail and that's the and I think that's part of the interesting conflict is there's something's gonna happen and the two sides whoever the two sides are are trying opposite things so there's this conflict of will and somebody's gonna get their way and somebody isn't so there's that element of excitement that almost makes you want to bet on it like who's gonna win who's gonna who's gonna step up with their a game and succeed and who's gonna fall miserably it's uh it's cool when you watch fights it's cool when you watch anything it's like there's even if it's not a fight if it's the lion chasing the gazelle it's like can the gazelle speed Leave the lion in the dust and uh, just leave him pissed off and hungry, or is it gonna? There's that question. there. It's like, let's see how they play their cards when life is on the line. You know.
0: Yeah, and that contemplation of how the outcome is gonna go down, like what yep. wh- that that for whatever reason is one of the most compelling things mm-hmm. that people can watch. Yep. It's we're we're so strange in that regard that 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 is like one of the most interesting things for people. Uh huh. I mean, that's why the the Romans. I mean, when they were feeding lions or Christians, right? that's what that was all about. It's like to see how long that guy can last in there.
1: Just to gross out your listeners, check this out. This is a nasty story that I did not know about. So what that would happen was after they would um, have the beast either fight each other or they would have the lion eat Christians or something. Then a typical thing is that after the end of the day when a whole bunch of these animals have been killed in one fight or another the Roman emperors to kind of look cool and popular with the crowds would then distribute the meat to all the poor people of Rome. So all the animals killed in the arena would then be eaten by all the poorest people in Rome as a freebie. Because you're a poor person and you're more likely than not, a lot of people in Rome were pretty close to starving a lot of the times, nothing got to be thrown away. You eat anything, right? You eat the whole animal. Whatever they give you, you eat it. So what does that mean? That means that among other things that would end up as weird exotic dish in, on, the, on a Roman table, sometimes you get also the interiors of animals that have just been eating people. So through via second hand, you're also eating people since you're eating stomach contents of a lion that just got killed in the arena and that lion just finished feeding on a Christian. So you're having a lion Christian burger for yourself. Oof. This yeah. is just something you just found out about? Um I made three, four years ago. I was doing some research on gladiators and games and all of that. And I was like and I started picking that same information in a bunch of sources. I'm like, okay, so this is not bullshit. This is uh,
0: So is that something they discussed in the history texts? Yeah. Like they discussed that people would talk about accidentally eating people or like how would they yeah. say it? Yeah.
1: Essentially they were like, Hey, people ate the whole thing. There was no nothing was thrown away, the whole thing was and uh, I guess, I don't know if there were primary sources that refer to this that were reported. I forget the exact, you know, the smoking guns that say, yeah, this is what happened. But I remember seeing it in enough secondary sources to say, okay, there's something to that story.
0: I didn't know there was any history okay. at all of people eating lions.
1: Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't as a choice. Mm-hmm. But if you are a starving plebeian in Rome, it's nothing else. And the emperor say, look what a nice guy I am. I'm giving you lion's stomach. Please have fun. <laughs> it's That
0: is the, the civilization that we always point to when we talk about excess leading to chaos, yep. leading to the decline of civilization. We always talk about Rome. But isn't the United States way more fucked up and decadent than Rome Ever was except for feeding Christians to lions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Other than that, if you look at the overall numbers sure. of death,
1: yeah, there's a lot of the strange stuff shit that we've on. done
0: to the environment. Yeah, shit that we've done. I mean, the, just a the sheer number of human beings you're dealing with. Yeah, three hundred and fifty. What is it? Somewhere at three fifty million. Yeah, it's a lot. Just it's cr- crazy that they got to the point where they were entertaining themselves by bringing in gigantic predators. Mm-hmm. Like how far is Rome from Africa? How the fuck did they get lions? Yeah,
1: they would have uh, hunters in Africa trap them. Then they How they trap they, them? I guess uh, set up a bait on something that would like they would fall in in um in a big pit where they right. can't climb their way out and then I don't know exactly how they get a cage on them and then wrap it. It's, I'm sure a lot of people died to provide uh, the lions for Rome, and then you ship them by boat through Sicily, then they send up to Rome, and uh, they did it to a level that they say that... um, the animal population of North Africa changed completely because of the Roman games. Because they were killing thousands upon thousands of them that they literally, they drove some species extinct in North Africa, at least in that part, you know. What the fuck? Yeah, that's on such a massive (laughs) scale they were doing it. For the games. And the Roman, the guys who were setting up the games, they were kind of like, remember when Pride was on and there was Mm those wacky Japanese matchmaking where they would have, like, let's throw the 600 pound dude against the 150 pound, let's see what happens. You know, it's like Roman's matchmakers were like Japanese matchmakers. They had those ideas. It's like, I wonder what happens if we throw a lion and a bear. Let's see what, you know, let's try. They would do that stuff. All was there the a civilization
0: time. like that before them, or did they invent these kind uh, of games?
1: Probably the gladiatorial stuff was ancient um, in Greece, and some people think about the Etruscans as well. There may have been some origin there, because the story about the gladiators is that it started out as human sacrifice, that they would do it uh, rather than. Originally, they probably sacrificed somebody on the grave of some important person, because the idea was that their blood was feeding the spirit of the dead. hmm. Then probably somebody said, hey, how about instead of sacrificing me, I give you entertainment, so we have a nice big fight, I get the other prisoner of war, we go at it, one of us die, doesn't have to be me, I have at least a shot, one of us, the blood will feed the dead, and the other one got to walk home alive. They decided, hey, cool! It's like we got entertainment on top of the sacrifice. That's one of the popular theories. Do you it think says. it
0: was the prisoners' idea, or do you think it was like some? I would think there would more likely be some sadistic ruler's idea. I mean, like if you if want I'm to live? Guy,
1: yeah, there's that. probably you have a right. chance. I throw <laughs> one
0: sword into the cage.
1: <laughs> that could be, but at the same time, if I'm the one about being sacrificed, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna make it fun for you guys. Just bring me somebody else, and yeah, then, oh. But, yeah, either case, it started out probably as a religious thing, and then it evolved into, oh, this is fun, screw the religion, but just let's have a good time. Um,
0: well, we always point to the decadence of the Roman Empire as being, like, the, the pinnacle of yeah. excess, right? Yeah. That's, that's how we look at it. But then you go to Disneyland, and you see people on scooters <laughs> everywhere you go they've right. eaten themselves yeah. into these g- gelatinous beanbag-style human beings. I was just at Disneyland. I've, I've. Every time I go, there are more scooters. Oh, yeah. It's freaky. There's more and more people just getting so big that they can't walk.
1: Yeah, let's make it easier for people to eat themselves to that because that's what we want. It's, in fact, there are one of the reasons why I think it's interesting for many people in the U.S. to study Rome and there's this fascination for Rome, is because the parallels are not that hard to see. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that super powerful civilization that keep growing and growing in power. And eventually hit the tipping scale of excess gets more and more. People have a comfier life, so they do get softer. Mm -hmm. And then you are getting ready for the fall in the face of somebody else, tougher and stronger, who comes from a harsher life, who's going to, you know, it's the same stuff as the Roman Empire, right? It's right, like right, right. You eventually stop sending your guys to fight your wars because it's like, I don't want my kids to go to war. How about That's what we did. It's our heritage, but I don't want to do that anymore. Let's hire some poor motherfucker to fight for us. Mm-hmm. In the process, your civilization gets weak until eventually the other motherfucker you're hiring doesn't want to fight for you anymore. They turn on you and your civilization falls. <sighs> We tough, never learn. No, it's a tough balance between living too harshly where, yeah, you become this war machine, but that's a sucky life, and living too softly when mm. it's, it's a real delicate game. And I mean, you know how it is. With your kids, you want things easy for them. Mm-hmm. You want to make everything as easy, as pleasant as possible, but if you make it too easy, you turn them into wimps. And so if you make it too hard, they'll hate your guts because it's like, fuck you, you're needlessly making my life hard. So it's like that very delicate game of making feel people loved, giving them support, helping them when needed, but then also teaching them how to be strong. And that does not happen through softness. It doesn't happen through making everything easy for them.
0: I've had that conversation many times with Brian Callen where he and I were talking about, you know, one of the reasons why – You know Brian lived a very strange life like he went to boarding school for a lot of the time he grew up all over the world he lived in many different countries Mm -hmm. and just faced a lot of adversity because he couldn't make friends he was constantly moving and because of that he's this really interesting guy Mm -hmm. and everyone that we know that's really interesting had some sort of a fucked up life. And yet, we don't want our kids to have a fucked exactly, up life. Yeah, it's, like <laughs> it's that weird. You don't want your yeah. kid to be interesting, I guess. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. maybe what's that Chinese proverb with the, the curse? May you live in interesting times. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh...
0: Yeah, it's. I. I wonder if that's the only way to create someone or to engineer the, the life of a human being. That's that's uh, that has character Mm -hmm. like there's got to be ways that you can teach them through difficult tasks or through Athletic endeavors like I mean I my life was definitely fucked up up until the time where I was in you know high school but all of my I think my real character development all who I became Like the harder parts was when I was in a really nice neighborhood Mm -hmm. I lived in uh, Newton, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like a really nice suburb of Boston But it was that was when I was doing martial arts. That's when I was competing. So I like consciously or um, uh, purposely did something really difficult because that was what I was interested in. I wasn't thinking, oh, this difficult thing will make me a real, you know, interesting man when I grow up and this will provide me with all this character development. No, it's like that was what I really wanted to do for whatever reason. I was compelled to it. And then the byproduct of that was I developed character. Yeah. I developed the ability to push myself and discipline. But I did it without having to go through like horrible neighborhoods. Nobody, right. I mean, people beat me up in the gym, but nobody beat me up in the right. street. Nobody robbed me. I didn't get shot or stabbed. But I developed character in a way that's similar to what someone would probably go through if they went through like some really yeah. bad, violent times. And
1: I think you nailed it right there because you're bringing up something that's not you're going to get tough because we're going to throw you in the street and you're going to fight every day against some crazy kids with knives and you survive, you're going to be tough. It's like, well, that's a little... But at the same time, it's not let's have you sheltered. And I think martial arts in that regard is perfect. You know, combat sports are great because they do teach you toughness, but they're still within a relatively protected environment. Nobody's going to pull out a gun on you. Nobody's going to, you know... It's it's tough, but it's civilized stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not... Uh, throw people to the walls and pray for the best. So it's a, it's a nice medium. And I think the more we make our life easier, which we want to, we do need to engage in things that keep the toughness alive, at least to some degree. You yeah. know, It's like you're not going to be tough the way the one guy who survived out of 100 was being thrown to the walls. But at the same time, you still have that muscle there. It's not completely gone because you are just all about... Because then now you end up with people who are very pleasant, very nice, very sweet and complete wimps and don't have a spine. And then it's like, that's not the solution either. You know? Yeah,
0: they have no resiliency. Yeah. They they don't have any experience in, in overcoming difficult situations. Yeah. I oftentimes think about that when I think about animals. Because, you know, I have dogs and I have cats and uh, my animals have zero. I mean, I guess, I mean, they, they, would, they would kill something if they could, but they don't. They're not mean at all, all, at all, but if you see a wild animal, an animal that has to Mm -hmm. get its own food, they're so different. And the only way you can get an animal that's tame is you have to provide them with all their food and that you have to bypass all of their natural predatory instincts that every dog has and every cat has. And there's a way to bypass it. You just got to give them steady food and love, steady food and love, steady food and love. And in doing that, you quote unquote, domesticate them. Right. And that's kind of also what's happening with people. Mm -hmm. You know, what we are doing with human beings is turning people into these fluffy sort of (laughs) kitty cat type people. Exactly. Where if everything goes wrong and you find yourself on a deserted island, you can go feral. Right. And and you you try to figure out a way to survive. You're eating raw mussels and chewing on roots and stuff. But the reality is what you've become is a domesticated person. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever see like, like when they catch people, they find people that have been like living in the wild by themselves. Like it's only been a few times that are found like actual
1: wild, feral Mm -hmm. people, but
0: they represent, they resemble feral animals
1: in a lot of ways. That's how you survive. You know, it's who who does live in the wild and succeed? Wild animals. A human being is going to do that. It's going to be along those lines.
0: But what we value from people, a lot of what we value is domesticated people. Like what I like is people that I I go up to, I hug them. I know they're not going to try to bite my neck and eat me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I tend to. I'm weird that way as well. Yes, I tend to enjoy the same thing. No, it's. As, like anything is a balance and the balance is not 50-50, maybe mm-hmm. 90-10, but you still need to have a little of that other side. It's always that there's a, once you go 100-0, then you really lost something. Yeah. You know, It's like where exactly is that balance in a desirable place where you are a strong person but you're also pleasant and sweet and nice and you can do all the things that we want in a civilized conversation without you being weak because that's the other aspect. When yeah. people lack the tough side, then I don't buy their niceness either because mm-hmm. it's like you are nice because that's the only thing you can be. You right. don't even have the option not to be nice because you don't know how. You don't know what it takes to instead step up and be extra assertive and extra tough. Mm. You don't have – so your niceness is not a choice. Right. It's it's the a only survival mechanism. Exactly. You're like a cat that shows their belly. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. then it's – Whereas if somebody doesn't have to be that way and chooses to be that way, then I buy it. Then, right. it's, then it's legit because you're choosing that.
0: Right, right. If someone is generous because they want to be generous, exactly. not because they have to be generous. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange fine line. What, what, why, I was, why I've was why i been focusing on this and, and obsessed with this lately is uh, I've gotten this weird idea in my head. Not, not necessarily weird, but mm-hmm. this uh, inescapable thought About human beings domesticating themselves with supermarkets. Mm -hmm. And that supermarkets are, in many ways, a lot like serving a cat a bowl of cat food every day. And that in removing the equation of having to go out and cut the wheat and pick the vegetables and kill the animals that you eat and instead just show up at the supermarket, buy it, throw it in the cart, that what we've done is we've developed like a system of domestication. And the supermarket or the fast food restaurant or whatever, wherever you're getting your food, in a lot of ways, serves the same purpose that a master does to a yep. pet. And that we, we're slowly domesticating the human animal in that way. I think there's a lot of parallels there. And that's one of the reasons I also I think why people get angry, even people that eat meat, when they find out that people hunt. Yeah. I think that it's they're reacting to this path that they're on, and it's a path of domestication. Yep. Even if it's irrational, even if they eat meat, and I've had the, the most irrational, which is people that are strict veg- vegetarians or vegans, but uh, they have animals they feed meat to. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that doesn't. No, I know, man. It's like, a lot of this stuff makes no sense. It's no, just, like, the way, it doesn't
0: make sense. But the rationalizations, I feel like they form such a common pattern mm-hmm. that you almost have to take into consideration the fact that those, those rationalizations may in fact be natural protective mechanisms for this domestication process to take place. Yeah. And I think that as we become more and more peaceful and more and more civilized, like I would say, and I think everyone agrees, that this is probably the safest time for human beings mm-hmm. to live ever. Well, you're a historian. You sure. know a lot about history. Yeah. You, you would probably say that, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you look at so much of human history, there's always the guys from over the hill who are going to come up and mm-hmm. slaughter your family at the drop of a dime. So now the fact that most people in many countries in the world are not in that situation, yeah, it's kind of unique. That's uh it's awesome. It's not something that in most of recorded history you can find evidence of.
0: You don't find any evidence, right? Yeah. Like if you think about like a cruise ship right. pulling up to your harbor and a bunch of people get out, you welcome them now. Right. Strangers from a strange land and you're like, "Oh, this is great. Yeah. They're going to come over here and they're going to buy my trinkets." You know, they're going to buy a poncho, you know? Whereas yeah. before they were going to come with fucking swords and kill your family.
1: I so, do you watch the TV series Vikings? No, I didn't pretty badass really I, yeah i like it see yeah. I'd, it's, uh,
0: I'd never heard anything about it really
1: no yeah. it's, it's good it's yeah. uh, cinematography is awesome the script is pretty good it's hmm. and there's this one scene that i was watching from the third season where there's this group of vikings standing outside of paris so you see paris in the distance all the shape and it's beautiful that you see these pissed off semi-naked vikings with torches and they are starting to scream it's axe time. It's sword time. And, you know, it's like the preparation. That's to what the, they're screaming. It's yep. axe
0: time and it's sword time? Yeah,
1: exactly. Wow, it's hammer time. Ex- what about hammer time? Exactly. No, hammer they skipped. Stop. <laughs> hammer time. And uh, that's a lot of human history right yeah, there.
0: That's a lot of human history. People that have and people that have not and the yep. have nots show up at the gates.
1: Yep. And they are hungry. And they are more motivated than you because they are hungry.
0: It is amazing that this is one of the only times that we've ever recorded where people show up in places where they don't know anybody and they're welcome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're welcome all over the
1: world. Yeah, I know Chris, uh, Ryan has... Um, there are many people who have the theory that like way, way, way in a distant past, in uh, hunting and gathering time, people were not more mellow. There was less war. And then mm-hmm. there's the other campo that argues, no, no, but hunting and gathering times were a crazy conflict. It's just... It didn't happen that often because there were few people, so they don't run into each other that much. But... And the reality is... I don't know who's right. I don't think either one is completely right in Mm. the sense that I don't think it was a peace and love scenario because that's not how human beings operate. Right. And I don't think it was uh, this model that only states can save you from violence because otherwise everybody's always killing each other. I don't necessarily think that's either. But clearly, I mean, we do have evidence that people bash each other's brains Forever, you know, yeah. for a long time. How frequent that was, that's the question. And there are different schools of thought in that regard. And it's kind of hard to come up with a conclusive answer. But other than that scenario, which is so far in the past that we don't have that much ma- solid evidence on, for much of the history that we do have records about, yeah, people do nasty shit to each other all the time.
0: Yeah, I think Chris is talking about tribal cultures that live, you know, indigenous people that live in the jungle and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yep. I think when it's resource dependent. Yep. I think when there's a lot of resources and there's plenty of women to fuck, yeah.
1: Everybody's happy well, and Chris
0: Ryan also, he loves those polyamorous societies. Right, he loves Who the- doesn't?
1: I mean, I agree with him. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm down.
0: Yeah, he loves those the concept of uh, these cultures that existed that didn't have... Um, they, they weren't able to trace lines of male paternity, and yeah. so the entire villages would raise children, raise and which, and, yeah, which exists course. right now in some parts of the world, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, that, that's, that's how some indigenous cultures still operate to this day. But yet there's also indigenous cultures like the ones in New Guinea which uh, the sperm warriors of right. New Guinea, which is, you know that story, right? Well,
1: the, remind me later. I know some about the that's insane awful. fighting going on about some of awful, the, what's up with the sperm warriors.
0: Awful, awful pedophilia. They, they would oh, take yeah. children at a very young yep. age and make them consume cum, yep. both in their ass and in their mouth. And to the, make you a real man, yeah, yes. Yep. They call you the... the, the they leave their parents and go stay with what they call their anus father. Jesus. Yeah, there's, oh God. And yeah. they've been doing this for thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, this, for whatever reason, this became a style of living. Somebody was
1: really into little kids one day, said, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the, dog, the gods have spoken, and this is how you make a real man. I'm getting and, a
0: message from up on high. Yeah,
1: and that's how i are going to do this you. from now on. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, that's why, in fact, romanticizing it is silly, but at the same time, demonizing it is uh, and I don't mean this because, yeah, this is fucked all up, right. but I mean tribal culture. Mm-hmm. The, there's great stuff there. There's awful stuff there. There's human stuff there, mm-hmm. right? There's the whole spectrum of it all. And I do like what Chris is doing in terms of, I don't know who's historically 100% right in that debate about how cool or not so cool mm-hmm. ancient tribal societies were. But I do like the where Chris is going with it in terms of, what is that we can learn either from the actual history or from something that sound cool that may not exactly have happened the way, but it gives us an idea because ultimately who the fuck cares what they did 10,000 years ago. Right. It's about what you can do now. So right. if that gives you an idea of what you can do now to make life better, I don't care whether it really happened or not. If it makes life better now, I'm happy. You know, That's I'll a really it. good
0: point. That's a really good point. Like what, what is possible now? Yeah. And I firmly believe now is the best time ever. Yep. I mean, I think we're incredibly lucky to live right now. Mm-hmm. And as long as we don't hit some sort of a natural disaster or right. if someone fucks up and accidentally starts a nuclear war yep, I think this is a great time. It's not perfect, but there's no there's nothing going to be perfect. It's no. like, we were talking about just the sheer numbers of humans. You know, twenty people on an island with three girls, seventeen men, you're gonna have death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a given. I don't think one night goes by without you hear China recently, um, they changed their one child. Role. Did they? Yeah. Yeah, like within the last few days. Really? Yeah. Yeah,
1: we, that can go both ways. I mean, on one end, yeah, the whole female infanticide was fucked up. At the other end, uh, China growing dramatically in population—that's not exactly a good thing either. So, well, how
0: are they going to do it? Because there's only like 15 girls, right? Like, <laughs> exactly, you guys exactly. fucked up. Like yeah. you, this idea that you would only have men because the men would be able to take care of you. Well, you you guys threw a monkey yeah. wrench in your whole generation. Like they sure did. What a fucking
1: cluster yeah big time
0: oh can you imagine being a guy and you're growing up there and you're on that island with 17 dudes and three women you're like yeah, what in the
1: fuck i know that's that's a shitty deal right there oh it's got to be the worst
0: trying to get laid as a man in china must
1: be fucking hard yeah i can see how that would not be easier i would imagine people high school univerb, you know young males would be pretty pissed off.
0: Condom, Condom shares p- fall after China abandons one child policy. <laughs> yeah, shares that. in companies that make, what is that? Nappies, prams, and baby milk up. What is a nap? Oh, I guess like baby stuff up on Friday after Beijing announces plans to change family planning laws. Yeah, I just don't know how they're going to engineer their population. I mean, this was in response to overpopulation. That's yeah. why they decided to have a one child policy, but that's just not good when everybody wants a man.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's so they didn't think it through in that scenario because I mean I can see the idea you have too many people, too few resources, you got fucked up, you can't do that. But at the same time, now he's like okay, nobody is gonna have baby girls. Let's all have boys because that's what I want. And so there's this
0: dumb dad that I talk to sometimes. He's just, so it's I, I every now and then I get stuck talking to him, and he's just like he has daughters and he wants sons and you know like. <laughs> And I'm like, like, dude, your fucking daughters are healthy. Like, w- right. what is wrong with you? Yeah, I have a friend who is a child that has, like, severe autism and all these terrible behavioral disabilities. Yeah. And he's he's a mess. I'm like, y- you're lucky. You're extremely fortunate. You have healthy children in America. Yeah. You you hit the goddamn lottery. Yeah. And your dumb ass is whining that you don't have a son to play softball with. And even then, is- why? Because you can't fucking teach a girl
1: to play softball because it's that's not girly. What they don't
0: want to play softball, maybe. So, you know, the idea that your son is an extension of you yeah. is one of the stupidest fucking attachments that some people have. You're, you're It's a human being. It's yeah. a human being. You're fortunate enough to be the parent of this human being. This idea that you're upset that it's one gender or another, just shut the fuck up, you monkey.
1: And that goes back to the stupid stereotypes of masculine and feminine, of mm-hmm. what it means to be a man or a woman. It's like... Of course, there is genetic stuff, and there's not, that's a given. You know, there's mm-hmm. not even an argument that some of it is nature, but then there's also a bunch of it that is nurture, and that mm-hmm. is also how you raise. And somebody may have a tendency going one way, but if you teach them and you mm-hmm. can balance it out in other ways, you know, it's like to me, even the most interesting people are the ones I have both, that have, you know, the stereotypical sensitivity from the supposed to be female, but they are mm-hmm. also tough. And who the hell said that being. Emotionally sensitive is uh, only for women, or that being tough is only for men. I get bored with both people unless you have both. Unless mm. I can relate to you on multiple levels, it's boring. It's like it can it's be for sure. Like the typical girly girl is like Jesus. I'm I'm out of here in three seconds. It's <laughs> like it's like this is killing me. It's so boring. But also the typical guy who breaks a beer bottle off his head, burping, <laughs> watching football. That's not yeah. exactly. Okay, that's great for about ten minutes, and then I'm out. You know, it's to me, it's like develop human beings that are strong and sensitive. What the hell is wrong with that idea? You know, it's like
0: yeah, that's why one, one of the biggest problems growing up is if you're stuck in a neighborhood. If you're stuck in a neighborhood and the people in your neighborhood are all stupid oh, yeah. and there's no one interesting to draw from, there's yeah. no one to find that you can relate to. Like I remember being a kid. And uh you know, you have a few good friends that you really enjoy hanging out with and when they weren't around, you would hang out with yep. dummies and you'd be like, Oh my god. It's so taxing. Mm-hmm. If you if you have the wrong if you just by a roll of the dice find yourself in a neighborhood where yep. people are prejudiced or ignorant or aggressively ignorant or aggressively yep. prejudiced, you could just have a terrible time. You just wanna stay home and be locked in your environment and I think until the internet came around, that was the biggest issue in children growing up. You were a subject to your environment or a victim of your environment sometimes, a product of your environment.
1: That's why even what we're doing right now, the idea that somebody in Sweden can download and listen to what's happening, that's pretty—I mean, shit, I would— I've loved to grown up with that possibility of yeah. listening into conversation so that I'm not trapped into the immediate world that is in the few miles for where you are born and where you are raised, yeah. but you get access. And then you realize, whoa, there are people out there who have a different way of thinking other than... I mean, think about even when TV came around and somebody in the middle of the United States in a town of 5,000 people suddenly could see people who look different, hear a different conversation. There yeah. must have been... The most freeing thing in the world.
0: It's Unless like, you were black. And you're like, where the fuck are all the black people? Yeah, they're <laughs> <Until>, all white. <laughs> until Sanford and Son <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. came on <laughs> the air. You're like,
1: what in the fuck? There's got Jeffersons. Finally! But he said that funny that like, in the 1950s, uh, all the advertisers, all the programmers thought, in order to attract people, we need to make the content as not controversial like the most uncontroversial thing possible we make it very square we make it very safe no sex no violence we make it no and you see what we are attracted to today is Mm -hmm. like 180 completely it's like give me Spartacus with you know orgies and violence (laughs) and that you know (sighs)
0: yeah that is suppression right yeah like the react that's also interesting like advertisements like advertisements today, like uh, on the internet, like podcasts. Mm-hmm. Here, this is a perfect example. No one has ever, when I do a podcast ad, say don't swear or don't right. say something fucked up. I say fucked up things sometimes in these ads because I'm winging it. Of course, But as long as I'm not saying something, when I say fucked up things, are obviously jokes. Yeah. As long as I'm not saying anything that's actually racist sure. or homophobic yeah. or sexist or anything like that, people are fine with it. And you could never have one of my ads on a television show. Oh, no way. But the people that watch a television show are the same people that are going to download a lot of podcasts. Exactly. Like, uh, if like someone's listening to Howard Stern in the morning, right, and they're hearing all this crazy shit, that's the same person that might watch the Big Bang yep. Theory or America's Got Talent at night. And it's squeaky clean. Well, it's the same human being. Yeah, exactly. But for whatever reason, they decide that this human being can accept it. In you know in yes. this form, but can accept it in that form, right? Like you might you know you might watch something that's totally squeaky clean and the advertisers are but the same person might go to a rated r movie and mm-hmm. watch Crazy Violence and Death and some fucking horror film. It's it's weird what we decide people can and cannot be subjected to, cannot be exposed to.
1: Especially with nudity. Oh, yeah. It's like if you show any kind of nudity, yeah. automatically it's the highest possible restriction because yeah. that's going to fuck up your brain, right? If you see a boob, now you're going to be screwed for life. It's like, really? That's what you're scared to show your kids?
0: Well, do you remember Vincent Gallo?
1: No. what was Vincent?
0: Vincent Gallo. That's his name, right? Vincent Gallo, the actor—that's his name, right? Isn't it Vincent Gallo? He—he was a very um, uh, respected actor, like a really intense guy, and he did this movie. He produced it and starred in it. Called, I think it was called Brown Bunny. And it was with this chick, Chloe Svegangi. I don't know how the fuck you say her sure. name. Svanghi. She's a very good actress. Excellent actress. But they had a real sex scene in the movie. Ooh. And in this, in the movie, she sucks his cock. Like She really blows right. him. And he comes in her face and on her mouth. And it's real. And people were fucking furious. People that went to see the movie hated him. And they were furious. And it fucking tanked his career. Wow. I mean, tanked his career never even heard of that that's crazy well he's done some stuff since then but not much and he's done like some vodka ads like some vodka right. commercials but before that he was like this guy that was like this go-to guy if you wanted this like really intense character and he's a very good actor right. And just like, a you know, a guy who just decided, look, I'm going to take a crazy chance. Sure. Like, look, we have these Quentin Tarantino movies where guys are getting their ears cut off, yep. where they're, they're taking these crazy chances with violence and Pulp Fiction, where the guy gets shot in the head and the brains yep. splatter over the back seat. And there's all these racial slurs being thrown around right. by white people to black people. This is all fine. But a guy getting his cock sucked in a movie yep. where you, you could see, like if she dropped down to her knees and you only saw the back of her head and she was sucking his cock, that would be okay. Then it's fine, Except exactly. going it be okay. It's, I know. But to see his actual penis in her yeah. actual mouth, for whatever reason, people were like, no fucking way. That's it for you, dude. We're done.
1: Yeah, that's... Yeah. That trips me out.
0: I it, always find it so weird. Meanwhile, everybody wants their dick sucked. Yeah, right. If you have a dick, you want it sucked. It is the one universal truth. <laughs> <laughs> because even if you're gay, right, right, you want it sucked by a guy. Flies anyway, yeah. right. If you're straight, you want it sucked by a girl. Right. Everybody loves blowjobs. They're amazing. It's one of the greatest inventions that anybody ever figured out was that if someone sucks your dick, it feels fantastic. <laughs> but to watch it in a movie is somehow horrifically offensive. Yeah, I Totally consensual. We're not watching rape. Right. We're watching a totally consensual sex act in a movie. Meanwhile, the same people that were offended probably watch porn right of course but as long as the windows the, are closed and the shades are shut and the door is closed and no one can hear them then they can uh, they can jerk off in their hypocritical world and they think it's okay
1: i don't remember if i mentioned that to you before or not cuz i always it cracks me up so much but there was a study in nevada no in utah a few years ago where uh, because uh, the, stand- the way the Supreme Court had set up the obscenity laws, they basically said that it boils down to the standards of the community, of what the community right. find obscene or not. And so in Utah, they were saying, well, we are a very conservative community. So we uh, we want all the hotel chains in Utah to not be able to allow to use porn. They cannot sell, you know, it's like porn is the number one thing on the pay-per-view in hotels. Yeah, They're like, nope, because it offends the standards of our community. So then they did this research and found out that porn consumption in Utah is actually way higher than <laughs> in most other places. And <laughs> they're what people say and what people do are completely different things sometimes. Yeah. And that's what I find. It goes back to that thing about being comfortable in your own skin. To me, it's like, look, you like porn. Embrace yeah. it. Just accept it. It's who you are. As long as you're not killing people, as long as you're not doing anything horrible to other human beings don't put forward this image of what you think you should be when you're not that person. If you're not that person, there's a reason why. It probably is not that healthy for you. It's not the way you're built to be. It's not there's something there. Deal with the reality. You know, deal with where you're at. And if you want to change yourself, then take a few baby steps away from that. But start accepting the fact that this is who you are. This is what you like. This is what you don't. Then if you decide you want to change you can work on the edges. You're not going to change dramatically because you don't change the essence of who you are, but you can, you know, smooth the edges if you really, really want. But that never happens unless you start with Realizing what it is that you are, and you stare at it and accept it for what it is. You know,
0: it's interesting too because I think that a lot of what people are worried about is other people's perceptions of them, yeah. and those same people are shielding their own reality from other people worried yeah. about their perceptions. They might all be into the same thing. Exactly. You exactly.
1: Know? There's. Um uh, the book I sent you the other day, The One That I left Coming Up, I sent it to Aubrey a while back and he was uh, reading through. And one thing that he was cracking up about is like, man, you have zero filter. You know, it's like the stuff you say about what you think, what you. Mm-hmm. That's not the kind of thing that most people would admit to. You know, that's the kind of stuff that it's... uh, Especially especially most people who are professors. Right. Yeah, never mind that. Exactly. That's a big one in your world, right? right? Yeah, where does this image of how we are supposed to be and to me it's Mm -hmm. like... uh, that's such bullshit. It's like be be a human being. How about that? Start do you feel then.
0: extra freedom because you have podcasts and because you can you can express yourself through that and you can actually make money doing that too? So
1: it's it's you have these other outlets for expression. Yeah. I mean I think I realized I had this really stupid idea for a long time that I could get a regular gig in academia as a good serious professor and then I could have also the space to do all the other stuff. And then I realized mm-hmm. This was actually... I remember being in my office one day after the realization that most academics don't like me sunk in. Most
0: academics don't like you? Yeah. Why not? Um,
1: Because, um, A, students like me. Which, if they don't like them, that means, oh, you must be too easy or too something. Or So the fact that I get along very well with students and that's not always the case with them, that's usually a strike against me. And also when I was having this oh, why is it that I don't like me I don't understand I kind of step outside and saw it from above and it was I'm in mean, my office hours I'm playing Eminem in my office and I have around my neck are strapped the gloves that I just used to spar with one of my students during a break in my <laughs> hand is my medical marijuana renewal and I'm wondering it. But why don't they like me? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, well, if they like you, there would be something weird in this right, situation, right. you know? It's like, what do you expect? They are who they are, and that's fine. That's the way it is. But you can't expect to be just because you're polite and you open the door for people and you're that's nice, but you're still a very different animal from what they are and so of course they are not gonna embrace you as one of their own but there's a few
0: guys like I bet you and Thaddeus Russell if you were on the same staff you'd get along great sure 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 there's a few there's there's people out there that are
1: no, absolutely. And in fact, I'm not saying all people, all academics are mm-hmm. all equally stiff, boring assholes. That's not the case. There are some very cool people. But the culture, the general culture of what you're supposed to fit in, is mm-hmm. uh, it's a very stiff one.
0: Do you feel like, I mean, you've been a professor for a while. Do you feel like the uh, the culture is shifting?
1: ah <sighs> Um, the culture outside of academia shifts a lot faster than the culture inside. Of yeah. it. I think like all institutions, they tend to be the last places to change. It's like when everybody else gets to accept something that maybe they will. It's kind of like politics, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like after 99% of people in the U.S. will be pro-legalization of marijuana, then some politician will say, We'll do this really daring thing and try to, you know, it's not going to start from the inside Mm -hmm. because any establishment is built on keeping the status quo. So that's nowhere. So a lot of, uh, if anything, a lot of academia I'm seeing is becoming more and more bureaucratic. There's more of uh, do measurable things, do stuff that everything can be accounted for so we don't get sued. Mm -hmm. Make sure to do. There's a lot less flexibility and allowing people to kind of run the show as they like it because they're like, oh, what if somebody runs it the wrong way, and then right. we get sued, which, sure, that is a concern, but you're also eliminating the possibility of people doing cool things in the process. And uh, So I don't know. I don't see... I don't see tremendously good changes in that regard.
0: What and, about the, the changes in, in as far as uh, political correctness or the, uh, the ideologies on campus? They seem to be more extreme and more left-wing now than they have at any time in the most recent history. At least, obviously, I'm not in school, but sure. from people that are reporting on it and professors right. that I've interviewed.
1: I know... I'm confused on that because, honestly, I hear about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I read it in the newspapers. I hear about it from other people telling me. I don't see it in what do you my say? experience. You know, the whole extreme level of political mm-hmm. correctness is not one that I have to, that I witness a lot. I get to do what I do. I say what I say. Nobody gets pissed off. Nobody yells at me over it. It tends to be fairly, in that regard, there's still a little bit. And I don't see my students getting offended at everything, the way you would read based on websites Mm. and all of it. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. I'm sure it does. I mean, it must be based on something I just don't think it's quite as—either I'm extremely lucky for some reason or it's not quite as pervasive as uh, it sound on hmm. paper. But yeah. I don't know because, you know, of course, all I know is my experience, and that may not be representative of what's out there.
0: It's also probably indicative of the sheer numbers of people that are in school. It's yeah. like, did you ever see, see that old Bill Hicks bit? Bill Hicks had this really funny bit about CNN, <laughs> about how saying? you every time you turn the news, murder, death, yeah. rape, yeah. pit bulls. And he goes, and then you go look out the window and you hear chirp, 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 <laughs> chirp. And he goes, where the fuck's all this shit happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but I think the sheer numbers of human beings that are in school, if you're dealing with, you know, how many millions of kids are in yeah. school? I don't know how many there are. But out of those, you're going to be able to cherry pick some extreme examples of social justice warriors, yep. political correct thinking, you know, um, progressive thinking run amok. Yep. It's diversity run amok. Mm-hmm. I You're think getting... that's
1: what's going on. Yeah. I think there's uh, that makes for a story that people yes. are going to read and get it's all pissed off about. Whereas if you talk about the, it's the same as why we like war. You know, It's, that, mm-hmm. it's the extreme uh, out there kind of thing that makes people emotionally involved in the story. You report it and people get into it. Whereas if you really talk about what a lot of the time happens, it's not that glamorous. And so yeah. it's not as reported.
0: Have you had any backlash at all from doing like controversial podcasts? Because, you know, you don't you right. don't hold back.
1: No, definitely not. One thing that I think helps is that probably these are not the same people who listen to podcasts uh. or care or they, they probably. <laughs> this is so good it is. I was in a history department meeting. I won't mention the school. Not that it makes my difference because it's the same thing, probably 99% of them. But they were talking. And this is like 30 people or whatever many people who are historians. So that's what they do, right? And when I mentioned Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, nobody knew what I was talking about. And I'm really? like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, it's like you are a historian. That's the number one history podcast out there. It's one of the top podcast period of any kind. It's amazing. The guy's a god at playing this game. And you haven't even heard of him. Like, you didn't even bother checking what's... That tells me that you're so locked in a tower out there that Mm -hmm. you have no idea what's... I was blown away. I mean, even... I was surprised, and I have generally bad feelings about academia to begin with, and I was that was too much even for me.
0: How is someone in the world of history not find out about that? That seems like it's such a revolutionary way to distribute history,
1: yeah, precisely, but that tells you how insulated that world is where it's about uh, what's in the footnote on page three fifty seven mm-hmm. of the monograph that has been read by four people they may know about, but yeah the, that's
0: weird that weird world yeah. But, you know, that weird world is what got people to this age today where yep. we can do things like hardcore history. I mean, yep. it was all created by
1: the knowledge that was taught through schools. And Dan did bring that up in one of his podcasts where he said, look, in the past, history was a bit more holistic in nature where good historians were also good storytellers. And they may have not been quite the same level of researchers, but they were really good storytellers. Mm. History has moved more and more in the direction of uh, good nerds who hit the library or now you don't have to go to the library, you do it online, but that are hardcore into research of primary sources and you need it. You know, of course you need that skill because otherwise you don't have the data to spin a good story about right. But if that's all the history that's out there, you can have the most accurate history in the world and nobody want to hear it because these guys right. can't tell it because it's dry you need both you know yeah. you need the hardcore researcher with digs out little tidbits here and there mm-hmm. and then you need the ones who can spin it in a way that they can communicate with other human beings that people that can make them care that can make them interested that can and these are often not the same people because it requires very different talents you know?
0: yeah that's a, a one what a lot of people say about neil degrasse tyson as well that he's uh he's such not just a a brilliant mm-hmm. man but a brilliant communicator yep like that his real skill is in making it entertaining and exciting and, and absorbable absolutely whereas the the dry lectures that you might listen to from a physics professor nobody cares it just not get in there no. for whatever reason but you need that guy sure you that, need that it has that desire to acquire that information the
1: problem with academia is that they have made that guy the only That's the measuring stick of what a historian is. Mm. And that's one side of it. It's an important one, and I give you that. It is an important one, but it cannot be the only one because there's a reason why every single one of the best history books I've ever read is always written by a journalist. It's never written by a historian. really, Because journalists, they are paid to know how to tell a story, mm. to make it, you know, the reason why you're paid is because you need to hook a reader in that doesn't have to read that story, that makes you want to. Right. Then his background was as a journalist. You know, it's about people who nobody owes you their attention. Is You intrigue them, and so they want to pay attention. Yeah. You know, that's that skill. Most of the people who are professional historians in a traditional sense that talent is not encouraged. It's not something you may have it by luck because that's how you are as a human being, but it's not something that you are encouraged to develop as part of being a good historian. That's seen as, like, ah, that's popularizing it. That's Yeah, what's wrong with that? To yeah. be able to make something accessible to people. Isn't that the whole isn't point? Isn't that
0: funny, though? That would be shunned, yeah. like popularizing yep. something that's as important as the historical record. Yep like it's one of the most important things for human bi- human history or for human beings rather is to understand history because then you can learn from the mistakes of the past and then understand the parallels of what's going on in the current time yep like when you you look at the roman empire and you talk about the great excesses and mm-hmm. how that civilization crumbled under the weight of its own you know excess you look at us now, you go, well, there's some parallels here. Exactly. <laughs> These people on scooters in Disneyland, I mean, it might not be feeding Christians to the lions, but I mean, there's there's definitely right. some fucking crazy shit going on right now that they're going to look back on. When when you look at the the average American diet and the fact that, I was in Disneyland the other day mm-hmm. and I told you they are on scooters, but one of the other things is they had to change the boats out in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. <laughs> so
1: everybody's too big. Because or- people
0: are too big. Yeah. <laughs> They've, they've done this uh, uh, several times. They've, they've had to change the boats, and they had to dig a deeper trench on It's a Small World. Because over the years, people have gotten heavier and heavier. Right. And they they have to accommodate, and they, they have to take into account the possibility of 600-pound people. Wow. That's what they're doing now. Yeah. Because I saw several 600-plus-pound people that are just overflowing on their scooters. Wow. And they also have to help those people from their scooters onto these rides. So these rides have to be reinforced in in order to take the weight of several people. I mean a lot of these rides are like you're supposed to only get two people in. The average two people, you get two people together, you know, maybe four hundred pounds for two people. Right. Well now you got one person that weighs six hundred pounds. And so this does this ride's not really designed for this. So that's <sighs> discrimination. God. You've discriminated yeah. against our large large
1: citizens. I've got to this is one of the most disgusting stories that I've ever heard or say, I told it to Duncan once on my podcast. It's so gross, but it's sensitive. It my wife had told me when she was working in hospital. She said, oh, man, I, I got pulled over by a colleague. They told me this story, and it scarred my brain ever since. So we'll gladly scar the brain of everybody listening right now. So this couple went in. To uh, the doctor, and they were complaining about how you know they keep trying to get pregnant, and she's not getting pregnant. And you know the woman was like, probably a good five hundred pounds, something like that, just rolls of fat everywhere, the whole thing. And the doctor was like, okay, you know, let's see what's up, let's see what's going on, and the lift the fat folds left and right. And suddenly he realizes, oh shit, these people thought they were having sex. But based on the residue I'm seeing here between the fat folds, they weren't exactly having sex. The guy was fucking the fat folds, thinking that he was in when he wasn't. And then they were wondering why they were not getting pregnant. They should have let him keep fucking the fat folds. (laughs) You're real close. You're real close. Keep going. I was like when they told me that. I'm like, oh my god, my brain! I cannot get that out of my brain now forever. And every time I, would I, feel I hear like that, would
0: be a standard move. It's just titty fucking fat <laughs> folds. It seems I don't. I'm not shocked at all. That didn't even make me feel sick.
1: Though. No, well, these I don't I've know. Seen too the, much. The, yeah, I think you see too much. I've the thing much. about lifting the fat folds and finding the residue from all the failed attempts, uh, it seems I don't know.
0: See, yeah. I was thinking that they were going to find a fetus in there. Oh. I was thinking you were going to say that they that gave she birth to the fat. And, and, oh, that's and...
1: even better. Ba- okay, yeah, you win. I can see why. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It was <laughs> yeah, gonna yeah, be. no, that's, that's better. I, I give you that.
0: How would someone who's that fat think they're going to take care of a child? I don't know. You know, when the little toddlers start running around, yeah. like, how are you going to, what are you going to do? Get your scooter yeah. and chase them around in the park?
1: Right. Well, you probably <sighs> stuff them with food day and night. They'll sit next to you and be 200 pounds by the time they're three years old. I've and... talked
0: about this a bunch of times on the show, but in the, you know at the possibility of uh overindulging this thought i've i stopped eating sugar mm-hmm. I cu- well yep. i didn't stop but i cut it yeah i cut it out completely for two weeks and then i cut it way back since then and i will occasionally every few days or so allow myself one thing like mm-hmm. a piece of i like this chili mango st- you know right. mangoes of chili that has sugar in it but very very little sugar i lost like eight pounds from yep. that just doing nothing but that. Yeah, exactly. Working out the same amount. Mm-hmm. My energy level is completely different. Like through the day, I I don't need. I don't get tired towards the end of the day anymore. Yeah. I just it just stayed normal. It's weird.
1: That's where nature is fucked up, because sugar tastes so damn good, and yet it's so bad for you.
0: Well, it's supposed to taste good in the form of fruit, because it comes with the reward of
1: vitamins and fiber
0: and all this other good stuff that's in fruit. Yeah. But we have somehow or another hijacked that, extracted it from the food, and shoved it into a liquid. Mm -hmm. It comes in a nice aluminum can. You pop the top, and you get that corn syrup deep (sighs) into your heart. (sighs) Yeah. But the average American diet is just overflowing mm-hmm. with sugar, and these poor people are just becoming bigger and fatter, and corn syrup and uh, yep. simple sugars, and they're just overwhelmed with this excess sugar. And it's that's the I think that's the primary issue that people have when it comes to weight loss: sugars and, and simple sugars and yep. carbohydrates and and uh, you know uh, simple carbs like pastas and breads and all that stuff which converts to sugar alcohol yeah. which converts
1: to sugar it's all but it's even all that you know probably there's also sitting on your ass forever oh, and yeah. never moving because I mean I see how mm-hmm. like when I go back to Italy I see how people eat and people eat monstrous amount of pasta right they're right. like how are you even and yet you see them and Skinny. Yeah, Exactly. It's like, (laughs) if you see me, what I eat when I have pasta, it would be like, really? You're hitting half the box of the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, easy. And I feel actually pretty good. I can go for more. You know, it's like... Do they have the same wheat in Italy? That's where I have the question marks. Clearly, something is different there. Mm. You know, something is not because you cannot... If it was just the carbs, then that would should do it. Then everybody should be huge and that's that's not the case. So something is going on. I mean, I've seen it even with, uh, like if I eat tomatoes in Italy versus tomatoes out here, tomatoes in Italy are awesome tasting and they are filling. You know, you eat some tomatoes, you feel like that can be a big chunk of your lunch right there. Right. I eat tomatoes here. I feel like I'm drinking water in a red package. They taste like nothing and mm-hmm. they don't feel me. I'm like, it's, Theoretically, the same fruit, but clearly something has been done different in the way they have been... Uh, GMOs, man! I don't fucking know what, but Genetically I know they're... Modified you know, man! It's like no idea why or what, but clearly the result is different.
0: Yeah, well, selective breeding. I mean, they've, oh. they've selectively made these tomatoes a, a much more hardy tomato that doesn't taste very good. Right. They've bred out all the, the juiciness because they don't last. Like, I have some heirloom tomatoes at home. I just bought them the other day. They're already really soft. Right. I got to eat them tonight.
1: But And I think people are so lazy good. and they don't go grocery shopping mm-hmm. often enough. And so it's like, I want to buy a tomato today. The last three weeks from now, it's going to look just as new. And the yeah. fact is, well, that's it's going to look new, but you have no nutrition and no taste. Well, it's so. really in the shipping. The shipping is yeah. the
0: big issue, like being able to get them across the country you know, in course. a big truck. But the heirloom tomatoes, I didn't even know they existed until, you know, yeah. 10 years ago or whatever awesome. it was when I first had one. They're fucking delicious. They are. But that's what a tomato is supposed to be like. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, it. It's like that's, we have this
1: rare tomato. Yeah. No, that's the way it's all right there. That that's is the real, real thing. Yeah.
0: I hope we don't run out of heirloom tomato seeds. No, that, that would, would, would cry. suck.
1: I would really cry. I yeah, love tomatoes. I mean,
0: well, if we get to a point someday, I'm hoping that with all these like... Uh, there's this is new emphasis on like craft restaurants and mm-hmm. craft breweries and craft, you know, like people are really into like farm to table restaurants. Yeah. There's a lot. This is a great one near me and they have, uh, I get eggs there and the eggs have like a dark orange yolk just like my eggs and the, the food yep. is all from a local farm and they'll tell you like what farm they're sourcing their beef from. It's a great little restaurant. It's great. It's great awesome. But I'm, I'm hoping that with that sort of trend that more and more people embrace that, and then we'll keep the idea alive of, you know, real natural foods. Yeah. I but even like—sorry. Oh, no, no it's gonna, okay. okay. I was going to say, but, you know, in other, in other ways, like things like golden rice, like genetically modified rice that is much higher in protein, mm-hmm. that's helped a lot of people. And right. kept a lot of people from starving.
1: No, I'm all for people having choices. It's like the thing I don't like is when one model become the— the only model that you don't let anybody else have a choice. Well yeah. there's a problem there. It's like if we, it doesn't I don't even care which one is winning. The point is if you start having a one model only, there's a problem there. Mm-hmm. So and you do have the people who want none of this shit and we outlaw it or the opposite is like we're gonna saturate the market so much then we squeeze every other possibility out. Both of those are shitty choices. You yeah. Know? It's like you want to allow as much choice out there as possible and in a way that doesn't squash all the other possibilities.
0: You know what I read recently I thought, I thought was really interesting is that McDonald's is apparently hurting like really badly. And that their profits are down radically from like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that they're thinking that eventually that model of really shitty food, yeah. fast food is going to be gone. And they're going to be replaced by things like In-N-Out Burger, yeah. which is delicious. Right. They cook it to order. It takes a little bit more time, sure. but it's infinitely better. Exactly. And that these five guys, places like that, that's the new model. Yeah. And then that's what you're going to get. Yeah. And then the idea is like, have you been to LAX recently have you been flying yeah no. no. well one of the things you notice if you go to LAX is the restaurant choices have it's gotten better. dramatically yeah. Yeah. better fantastic like you can get really good food at right. the airport now like really cool restaurants they're not yeah. chains mm-hmm. and like well, this is a brilliant idea they have right. a there's a food truck there one mm-hmm. of the uh, they have a it's like a, got a truck of face and then you know there's a little restaurant behind it but yeah. the idea is they're gonna give you food like you would get from a food truck and so they're they are they're establishing this new sort of a, a, a place to get, which used to be like you'd get chilies, you know, you'd get like Applebee's. Mm-hmm. It was like chain restaurants or McDonald's, stuff like that. But now you get like a really nice salad. Yep. You get a, a kale salad with right. like real cucumbers and stuff on it and stuff. I think people are realizing that just because this is the only way we've had before that you don't have to have it this way. Yep. You know, I saw this thing, um, on one of Anthony Bourdain's shows was on uh, San Francisco, and one of the guys that runs this really nice restaurant was going to open up an all-vegetarian, healthy food option, a very cheap place, in the Tenderloin, which is like one of the worst places right. in yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. And the menu was going to vary between 2 and $6. That's it. And everything on the menu was between 2 and $6. And they had like a really healthy veggie burger that actually tasted good. Like Bourdain mm-hmm. ate one. And it's like, this is actually good. I would it's actually order this. Right. And they're going to try to
1: provide healthy, semi-fast food for people. I think that's a great idea. Why I think can't it be done? I think, and it's not that difficult because a lot of healthy stuff, there's the stereotype that all the healthy stuff is crazy expensive. Not mm. all of it. It's just a matter of digging in enough and finding things that can be nutritious and not crazy expensive because there are those options. It's not that simple of, oh, you need to have a bank in order to eat healthy or you eat cheaply crap. Yeah. There's some of it, it's true, but not completely. There mm. are options where you can eat delicious meals that... I mean, you like to cook. I've done times where like I'll cook at home and I think about what I just spent and it's nothing and it's fucking delicious and it's good food and it's nutritious. And I'm like, what's wrong with that plan? You know, why is that? And I think with what you were saying earlier also that intrigued me, something I've been obsessing a bit, the distance that goes from people eating the food to the food being produced. And I don't mean just how far it travels, but even how disconnected we are. I don't care even mm-hmm. if it comes from three miles from here. I mean, it's better, of course, but... I'm mean, into the idea of people having, at least to some degree, some contact with the food you eat. So you do have, a, whether it's, you know, the guy who, I, I remember you had it on the show, the image of the guy that in Milan did the vertical uh, woods or whatever they call it. You know, like that, uh, it looked like a skyscraper where they put a bunch of trees all over it. Does that ring? you Yes, had it, yes. You, yes, you yeah, remember? Yeah, which yeah. One, one of his plans now was trying to figure out how to, um, put on all the rooftops put gardens mm. so that people can have their vegetable gardens even on top of like four-story buildings or something that there can be the building garden that everybody goes now I don't know how it's gonna work in terms of that was my tomato fuck you I'm gonna kill you right, you know? right, right. but having that idea where it may not be old you're not self-sufficient it's not all of your food but you have some contact with the food that you end up yeah. eating. I think everybody should have it to one degree or another. And partially it's hard because most people don't have the space, the situation to do it in their backyard. But figuring out ways on the cheap to make that happen, figuring out ways on an architectural standpoint, on multiple ways to try to make the link between people and eating food a direct one so that people have a sense of where food comes from, that they raise their own food to one degree or another. I think that'll be awesome. I don't know how realistic that is or how practical, but why not take a few steps in that direction? Figure out how it can be done.
0: Yeah, I mean everyone who has a backyard should have a garden. Yeah. It's not that difficult to right. grow something. Yep, And just even if you only grow a meal a month, just Good. a salad, something. Yeah. just something it's there's something particularly satisfying about picking a cucumber that you grew, mm-hmm. chopping it up, putting it in a salad, cooking a squash that yep. you grew. It's, it's It's really nice it's and I think it's primal. I think it it connects us in some sort of a way. You
1: appreciate it a lot more that's yeah. for sure. It's like you remember all the time and energy that went into getting this stuff from mm-hmm. this big to Then you're like, ah, this is uh, there's a story behind it. Well,
0: my friend Remy Warren was on the podcast yesterday, and he has this show on the outdoor channel called um uh Apex Predator mm-hmm. and it's all about uh he follows these different animals. And tries to learn how they hunt and how they survive. And, and one of them, it was about bears. And he had to tr- he tried to forage the way a bear forages. And he was shocked by how little you could find to eat. Like <laughs> even hard. if you know what you're doing, it's hard, man. And we were talking, and he was saying. You look around at all these plants everywhere. We look we see trees uh-huh. and bushes and garden, but none of it you can eat Yeah, like why do we grow so many plants that what well, we could just grow food exactly. everywhere? Yeah, and I was like I never even thought about yep. that like instead of palm trees right like have food trees exactly. like everywhere food Could you imagine if everyone? Anywhere you looked everywhere you go there was grapes growing yep. and tomatoes and, and 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 fucking peaches and yep. shit why not exactly
1: like, i agree 110 percent with that it's like it's how we we need to work in that direction it seems it's, like
0: it's totally possible yeah. if there's all these bushes
1: and trees every every city street has
0: bushes and yep. trees and but none of them are growing food it's weird <laughs> It makes no sense whatsoever. it doesn't and it's not like those like an apple tree is a beautiful tree it's yeah. a, like a cherry tree sure. that's a beautiful
1: tree yeah
0: why don't we do i don't get it
1: i don't get it either
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's strange it's like somewhere along the line we lost the plot yeah growing a bunch of shit we don't
1: need that seems like a really smart concept yeah that's so dumb yeah it's very
0: strange it's it's very strange that we don't have food around us all the time like we have to rely on it getting shipped yep. in in trucks yeah
1: yeah I mean seriously like any major American city or for the no matter most cities in the world are this far away like they are one big blackout away from everybody turning into the walking dead yeah you know? It's where things get really ugly really quick because nobody quick. has any idea how to get food.
0: Daniele <sighs> Bellelli. Do we have to end on a low note like that? No,
1: let's pick up. Let's well, we're almost out of time now. that's yeah, very little out time out. here left. What do you got there? What's the book you got? Oh, this is... I'm doing research. Uh, this is a book about Caravaggio, the Italian painter. I'm doing... Uh, because I prepare a bunch of the research. For History on Fire, I prepare a lot of research ahead. Because otherwise, what Dan Carlin ended up doing is that you do need to have these humongous gaps between one episode and the next to mm-hmm. research. Because it right. takes... I was doing the math the other day just because I was bored. And I figured it'd take me to produce a two-hour episode for History on Fire. It takes me probably about 200 hours of work of preparation wow. and research and read the book and take the notes and do this and that. So, I mean, that's a full-time job. I can't release episodes often if uh, if I'm doing other things. So what I did is for the last two years, I've basically prepared to start History on Fire. And I've done research. So you for, knew you were
0: going to do this? Yeah. For oh, the last wow. couple
1: of years, I've been working at it. Not all the time, you know, while I do another thing. And mm-hmm. now I can get to back be- but I basically prepare eight episodes so I would have the research ready to roll. I can just need to record it and that's it. So it buys me a little time. So I can release episodes every six weeks now until eventually the research catch up with me. And right. then I'll be on a Dan Carlin schedule. But hopefully I'm so now I'm researching episode nine while I am on still on episode two is out. So I'm like trying to you know, eventually will catch up with me. Probably won't be that long until catch up with me, but until then by delivering episodes on a relatively often schedule, I can also hook up more people. And by that point, they may be more forgiving if I take longer <laughs> to do the research. But uh, Well,
0: it's such an intensive style of podcasting. It's really like not just educational,
1: but it's like you're, you're, you're kind of doing a lecture. It's yeah. like an audio lecture. Yeah, I did, uh, when I did episode two, I was really happy with episode one. I thought, kicks ass, it's good, it's everything I wanted that I picture in my mind is coming mm-hmm. out. I did episode two, I listened to it, and I'm like, this is a B effort, you know, this is not what I wanted, And but I did the whole thing, I recorded it over a few days, I'm like, no, come on, it's, and then I was like, you know what, fuck it, delete, let's start over. You wow, know? you and, deleted it. Uh, yeah, I was like, no, I don't I don't want to do it, especially, definitely not at the beginning, but in general, you know. You did wanna you release put, it uh, and then delete it? No, or? no, no I just, just recorded it, I was, we are about to put the intro, the outro, that kind of thing, and I was... Wow listening, and I'm like, no, it doesn't have that punch that I want. And um, and so I was like, no, fuck it.
0: I'll do so it do over. you do it on an outline, or like how yeah. do you...
1: Yeah, it's a fairly detailed outline. Now, you don't want to script it, because, of course, then it doesn't sound natural, but you want to have it pretty clear of where you are going. And uh, so if you have any, the quotation that you need to quote, is right there. If You, you know exactly where it's going, so it's semi-scripted but then you do it where you can it's kind of like if i deliver a lecture in class you know i'll take a peek at my notes and like oh that's where i need to go next but mm-hmm. then you deliver it in a more natural style right and so that's yeah so i'll write a good chunk of notes but then of course you don't read the notes you just have them there as a, to keep you on track so that you know where you're going next and
0: I'd be really curious to see if your accent is the same by episode nine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly doubt it's going to change because, again, if I could hear it, you know, actually, I got in trouble because I said it on your podcast. I think the first time I was on your podcast, and as a joke, I said, you know, no, I used to speak perfect English. I just, I'm using it for women, right? <laughs> and people took it seriously. Of they course. thought that I really. I'm you like... fucking pig. Yeah. And by the fact, if I could pull that off, I actually would do it because it's still if I can get women away that way, I would do it. But it really just I don't hear it, you know. Well, it's you like, have a green um,
0: light to do it because you're Italian. Like right. If I started, like if I moved to Italy and I started talking like this, uh, then
1: I would be right. a poser. You would You're not a poser. Yeah. No, but the fact is also it would take an insane amount of work to change because I don't hear it, so I would have to really sit down and just spend forever doing. And I'm like, I got how you have
0: the most extreme version of a completely fluent English language that I've ever heard <laughs> heavy Because like accent. Anthony Bourdain's wife is from Italy and yeah. she has a very strong Italian accent but she's way clearer than you <laughs> 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 I mean you and I have been friends for a long time so I know exactly yeah. what you're saying What you're saying but if I didn't know you I'd probably be like what the fuck did he just say Sh- There's that that a-, a-, a flow
1: <laughs> There's there are, a flow to it though. And you some know? people have zero problems, yeah. right? Most people are like, Oh no, I understand everything you say, no problem. And then there are people who have no idea of what one word I'm saying. I had um I had a friend we we're talking on the phone and they were like, Oh, so I'm gonna cook tonight and I'm like, what what do you wanna eat? And I said, oh, I don't know, what do you say, oh, I was thinking of making some salmon and they were like, What? Salmon. What? Salmon? Sorry, I'm not Fish. Oh, fish. Okay, great. What kind of fish? Salmon. Because, right. well, of course, you don't say salmon. To them, right? That's a moron. Well, you can't put two and two together? No. <laughs> <laughs> but also, my pronoun is salmon. I'm pronouncing right. every single letter, whereas right. in English it's salmon. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That one. Yeah. But I can't, you know, it's like. And no one says salmon yeah right that's not how you say it you're yeah. making up words exactly i spell out every money. single thing like because right. in italian every letter that's there is meant to be pronounced ah. so you read every single damn letter in english that's not the case and so that's confusing most but of there's the time also some
0: it. weird things like two c's or an h sure yeah and two l's or a y yeah. like, things yeah. get yeah. weird yeah that that's the the phonetic differences between the way letters like like that's a big issue obviously with Portuguese to English too mm-hmm. with the Brazilians or the Rs or H's yep. and everything gets very weird when you try to yep. translate it back and forth. Well, that was one I wanted to ask you earlier, but I had actually forgotten when we were talking about translating when you're talking about the difference between learning mm-hmm. English and seeing how short and abrupt the sentences yep. are as opposed to like the Italian. How difficult is it when they're translating,
1: like, ancient historical texts? It's crazy hard. Yeah. It's crazy hard. That's why a lot of translations are, it's an art form. You know, some Mm -hmm. translators are awesome. And who knows if they are really true to the original language. But some translators can produce something amazing and some don't. It's uh, I love like Tao Te Ching, you know, when you read Taoism. Mm-hmm. Some translations are painful. I don't give a fuck. It's like, this is boring as hell. I don't know what they are talking about. And you read the next translation, it's the best book you've ever read. And it's like, mm-hmm. how can that even be? But
0: Right. Well, there's some sort of an artistic license in the transi- yeah. translations. That's what it is. and That's, uh, that's what... It really kind of has to be taken into account when you're talking about any really ancient thing that's in in a language. You have to take into account the time that they wrote it, the way people communicated back then. Like Even if you read ancient English stuff, Mm -hmm. like the way they talked. I mean, even just read the Declaration of Independence. Oh, yeah. The way people describe things and communicate it, it's odd. It is. It's hard to to wrap your head around, you
1: know? Big time.
0: Yeah, it's it's um, translation from one culture to another, one time period to another, and all those combined, like ancient Italian mm-hmm. literature, translating that into modern American English. It's right. got to be, like, super bizarre.
1: Yeah, you're kind of rewriting it to some yeah. degree. It's, uh, it's a cooperation between the writer and the translator, and it's... Uh, That's why when I, there were a lot of books that I read in Italian because my English sucked and I couldn't really read in English. And when I finally got to read them in English, I'm like, well, that's another book that's completely different. There are some similarities, but it's a whole different style. There's, it's not even close.
0: Yeah, I would think that would be the case, like, absolutely with, like, the Bible. Mm -hmm. That, like, to really understand the Bible, you would have to truly understand, like, whatever translation you're getting, like, Aramaic. You would have to, like, truly understand ancient Hebrew. Yep. But ancient Hebrew is like a real squirrely language anyway, right? It's Nobody like, speaks it exactly the way it was. Yeah. So it's
1: kind of... There's a lot of guesswork, of course.
0: Well, this is one of the weirdest ones because it's also a number. The, the, it's, a, it's a numerical language. Like mm-hmm. the letter A is the number one. They don't have numbers. Yeah, yeah. Their letters served as numbers as well. So it's like words had numerical value. Good luck translating that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's a bunch of words today. Like There's a debate about what percentage are still under, you know, debate as to, like, what what it actually means and what it doesn't mean. But imagine if you could learn ancient Hebrew, like, exactly how they did it. Then you would understand what they were trying to say. But even then, you wouldn't understand it unless you were in the context of the culture that existed when, like, you you
1: had to know how they thought about things. Exactly. That's why most of the time you have to, you don't really know what that guy said. You are these translations sound better, so I'll go with that one, but yeah. you don't really know which one they meant. Well
0: that's gotta be one of the really most difficult one of the most difficult aspects about history too, because it was written by people who decided how they wanted people to remember the turn of events. Exactly. Whether or
1: not that's exactly how it went down. There are cases where there's like the Egyptian guy who left the record of like, oh, we meet the we met the Hittites and we kick their ass and we wipe them out and the pharaoh is the best. And then you read the Hittite account and it's like, whoa, that does not look like the same battle <laughs> they are talking about.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's how do you how do you know what the fuck really happened? I mean, we have this vague sense yeah. of what happened. We know like facts like these people aren't around anymore so somebody killed them Yep. you know well we found this pile of bones and this is where we think we found Troy because this is a spot
1: like fuck man there's a ton of guesswork involved in history you know we make it sound like it's this super hard science and you know you want to be as scientific as possible but there's a lot of guesswork at the end of the day
0: That's so weird. It's so weird that we're trying to piece together the past to understand how we got here, Mm -hmm. almost like a giant crime scene of the world. Yep. We're slowly, like, brushing fingerprint dust on things and trying to figure out where the fucking blood (laughs) splattered from and what happened. Yep. What the fuck happened? And then you have to go over some shit that people wrote
1: down. You don't even know what the hell they were saying. You there's, get a bunch of uh, scholars. There's one episode I want to do next. That's There's no primary sources. It's all uh, archaeology. And it's this guy. I don't know if you remember the story. That guy that they found the body perfectly preserved from 5,000 years ago. up The in ice the Man? Alps. Yeah, the yeah. Iceman. Utsi. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And it's an awesome story because... Through archaeology, you find out so much. You can find out what this guy was eating five thousand years ago. What you know, yeah. all of this stuff, and yet ultimately, you don't know what the hell he was. But there's it's, it's the mystery, right? You yeah. know enough to tease you, but just not enough to actually know what was up.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing though that you can find something like that preserved, and at least mm-hmm. get like a short window yep. into that time. Jamie just gave me the two minute mark, so we gotta Sound wrap like this bitch plan. up. It's
1: over, baby.
0: We just did it. Three hours, my friend. These was so much fun. Flew by. Flew by. I love it every time. Uh, History on Fire. Two episodes are available and episode zero as well, right? Yep. Like a little An pilot episode to yeah. let everybody know what's up. And uh, anything else?
1: Got a book coming out next month. So early December. I have a... Uh uh, people can, if they're interested, they can check wow, up on please. Amazon please, we'll tweet stuff. about but, it. We'll let yeah. everybody
0: know, and uh, I'll have you back in once the book's out, too. Beautiful. My brother, thank you so much, sir. Thank you. All right, my friends, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Till then, see you soon. bye bye-bye. bye-bye.